Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Russell Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. Good morning, slackers. Oh yeah, we're back. It's hard to believe that it's been a month now, Ken. A full month of the Carrasco Show here with my buddy Ken Stapon on TSN 1050. You know, the stresses of being off air for about a month or so and then starting with a new network was just enough to drive me absolutely insane. You know, I was I remember it being so giddy when I, I had that first show here on TSN 1050, but uh, it seems like slowly but surely we're getting into the groove. Folks, if you never listened to the show, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We've been on air, um, out in the airwaves for about 13 years or so, and this show has become the largest automotive radio show in the country that is not about cars. I don't like cars. Cars are a waste of money. I just happen to be in the car business and I will tell you, I will tell you the goods, the goods. If you want to know the no-nonsense advice in car sales, you got to call the show. And right now, the numbers are 416-870-1050 or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876 or you can send us messages on Instagram at Greg Carrasco, on Twitter at Greg Carrasco. You see the trend there, Ken? I do see the trend there. Is that Now, was that preconceived to keep all the handles the same, name the show the same thing? I mean, seems to be a running thread going through <laughs> this whole thing. You know... At some point back in 2007, I decided that um, I was going to be an early adopter of social media. And I started to sell cars back at 401 Dixon Eason on Facebook in 2008. You sold cars Two on Facebook? Oh, yeah. 2008. <laughs> I didn't oh, even yeah, know man. that was a thing now, let alone you know, like maybe somebody's used beater. They're trying to, you know, they post no, it on man. Facebook Marketplace this... for 500 bucks or something like that. I didn't know <laughs> car dealers were doing Dude. that. Dude, selling cars on social media is a big deal. Right now, uh, Facebook has something that they call Marketplace. It's like a... Oh, it's I'm, like, I'm familiar with the Facebook yeah, Marketplace. Yeah, so it's like Kijiji for, <laughs> for deal hunters. And uh, just about is that, every single... Is that what we're calling them now? Deal hunters? Uh, sure, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> <laughs> right. the, uh, in, in Advertising cars on, uh, on Facebook and social media is a big deal these days. The, the problem is this, that if, you, if you're literally just adopting selling cars on social media, you are about 10 years too late. <laughs> and that, that ship to sail, man, it's gone. <laughs> you, you have no idea what you're doing yet. And you are, you know, trusting this little digital company, marketing company said, you know, we're going to help you sell cars on social media. And they take your money. You have no idea how to measure the, uh, you know, return on sales, the return on investment. And, you know, 
I think that COVID has exposed a lot of people, Ken. Uh, people just don't know how to sell cars on the internet. And it's been fascinating for us because at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we have actually gained some crazy market share uh, through COVID. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate that during the, one of the largest pandemics the world has ever seen, you can come out on, on top. And like I've said before, Sun Tzu says, there is opportunity in chaos. And chaos has been one way to define uh, what is happening in the car industry for the last few months. But, um, you know, saying that today, folks, we have Money Mike next hour. He's going to talk to us about how to build wealth, because unlike what you may think, you know, just because you have those five tips on success that you see on Instagram, that's not the secret to success. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so if you uh, if you're going to Instagram uh, for some, um, you know, inspirational quote to tell you how to build wealth, I got to break some news to you. <laughs> so you better tune in and listen to Money Mike on the other hour. But um, this show is for you. We will answer all your questions. Yes, this show is an automotive show. And that is the basis of what I do. That is my area of studies. I'm a study. I'm, I'm a student of the car industry. And I am able to give you all the no nonsense, straight up advice. And for that, if you have any questions about buying a car, selling a car, leasing a car, getting rid of a car, squashing a car, uh, you know, admiring a car, whatever you want to do about cars, just call me. You may not like my answer. That's okay. So if you want to dispute something that I'm saying, uh, just make sure that you have your arguments lined up because, uh, you know, people that want to disagree because they feel like it, they bore me. I don't really care about your feelings. I'm, I'm not, a, you know, one of those people. So I don't care the way you feel. You're not an empath. Uh, what's that? You don't get emotionally affected by other people's feelings on the radio. I feel like that's uh, a good, like a good character trait for a radio host. Yeah, I don't care. And, and if you make no sense, I'm going to honestly, I'm going to hang up on you. Uh, you know, there, there are thousands of people listening to the show right now. And if you get too boring, I, I don't know what I want to say to you. Uh, but uh, today, just like we did last week, and last week, all the calls were boring. So if you have something interesting to say, call us at 416-870-1050. Or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. And uh, we are going to give two years worth of free oil changes, courtesy of Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity Home of the no commission salespeople. So the best call of the day, the most insightful, the most engaging call of the day is going to get two years worth of free oil changes from my home, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So, you know, we'll leave it up to you. If you live in the GTA uh, and you are driving a Nissan lease and you have a lease product, uh, you need to listen up to this because it's important. So if you have up to a year left on your lease and you want to get something new, whether it's a Murano, it's a Micra, a Sentra, a Nissan Rogue, and you have a lease up to a year left, we can get you out of that lease into a new vehicle for the same or less money into a new car. I'll give you the keys. No questions asked. Off you go. Uh, we still have some of those Sentras, 2020 Sentra, which is a fully redesigned vehicle that uh, you can get for $279 a month plus tax with nothing down on a 39-month lease. The same thing is happening with a Nissan Kicks, which is a CUV, a compact utility vehicle. It's one of the sexiest little things that you find on the road. You see it and you say, oh, yeah, I want that. You know, that thing is sexy. $279 plus tax, $0 down, 39-month lease, and you can get yourself into a small SUV. Now, on top of that, at Oakville Infinity, we still have 0% financing on any remaining 2019 and 2020 product. So 
with rebates of up to $7,500 on select models. Plus, you get two years of free maintenance whenever you finance something out of Oakville Nice, out of Oakville Infinity. Uh, you really don't have to pay interest when you buy a luxury vehicle anymore. But this is only for the month of August, Ken. Uh, I decided to, to do this. You see, every car dealership has uh, vehicles that we use for, you know, all the executives of the company will drive a car, they're executive demos. Uh, from time to time, we have a fleet of vehicles that are used by our service customers that uh, we call customer service vehicles. And they're fully maintained, they're fully owned by the store, but they, we put kilometers, they're, they're relatively new. The vehicles are washed you know, every week, they're serviced whenever they need to. So those cars, we stay on top of the maintenance and the looks of those vehicles. So from time to time, we need to replace the fleet. So we have a crazy, crazy demo sale at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So these are literally brand new car for literally used car prices in which you can still have 0% financing in some of them. So you can choose in the Nissan side, you can get up to $9,000 off in certain cars, or you can still get 0% financing. In the Infinity side, you can get up to $14,000 off. $14,000 off in 0% financing. That's a if lot of money. It is a lot of money. And that's what happens when you buy a vehicle that is slightly, gently, so softly used. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we have a call. John from Thornhill. He wants to talk to me about muscle cars. John, good morning. How can I make your life easy? <laughs> good morning, Greg. Uh, hey, uh, uh, so he here's the thing. I live in uh, Toronto, and um, I, uh, I I know you guys. You know you guys talk about uh, infinities and whatnot, and uh, more of the sports uh, sports cars. And uh, I'm looking for a 1970 uh, El Camino. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? It's, it's been my dream car ever since I saw one, you know, on the road. And I just thought, what a nice little car to have. Especially you don't see them a lot um, in, uh, in Toronto and, you know, in Canada to begin with. And, uh, my, 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 uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a new-time buyer, so I'm just wondering... You know, what, what sort of, of issues do I have to worry about when I'm getting, uh, uh, you know, an old muscle car like that, you know, like when it comes to um, uh, rust damage or anything like that? Like, what, what should I be looking for when I'm trying to find an old muscle car like that? Well, that's a, that's a good question because uh, you see cars today, for the most part, are super, super boring. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, that whole, you know, passionate idea of a muscle car from the 60s and 70s is just gone cars today have no soul and 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 that's a beef that i that i've had with the car industry for a long time i think the last time that we had any cars that had any sort of uh you know testicular fortitude if you know what i'm saying character, uh, <laughs> character. it was for back sure. in the late 80s early 90s with the toyota supra with the I remember the 300 ZX twin turbo, even the Honda Prelude. You know, I have never, I have never been a big fan of uh, American imports in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. They just don't do it for me. Uh, if if you want to go that far back, I'll go to a 1969, you know, Ford Mustang. That right there is a, yeah. is, is an orgasm on wheels. But what I can tell you is this: so you know, those cars are pretty pricey. So at one point in my life, I had decided to buy a 1971 Challenger. 
Oh, wow. I was looking. I was looking for one, and uh, I spent a tremendous amount of time going around looking for vehicles. And I remember at the time I was running Thornhill Hyundai, and uh, oh. one of the listeners of my show called me up and he said, "Greg, my son has one in the garage. If you want to buy it, I can sell <laughs> it to you." He didn't want a lot of money. Uh, I know the car needed some work, and I, I work in the car industry, so I can get the work done uh, properly. So I remember going to his house. Um, I drove it out of the garage. I drove it to Thornhill Hyundai. Uh, I put it in uh, in the shop, and uh, I got one of my technicians to uh, to put it up on the hoist. So we hooked up the hoist, uh, John, and at the moment that slowly I started to lift the vehicle, this is no. what I heard. Yeah, and they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the number one thing that you need to worry about when you're buying a vehicle of that age is to make sure that you take it to a shop and they put it up in the hoist because once that frame is gone, you don't really have a lot to work with. You now, see, is that, you, is that is that like as soon as I buy the car, I bring no, it before, to the No, 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 no. Before you buy it. Before oh, you buy okay. it. Do not get cool. yourself. Uh, I, if you think that a boat is a money pit, you know, try looking for an old muscle car that has a rusted out frame. That's oh, it. Yeah. It's finished. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing about El Camino is going to be the, the, the supply. I mean, those cars are almost non-existent. They're absolutely exactly. gorgeous. I saw one uh, about three or four weeks ago in a parking lot up, you know, up in uh, North Toronto. And, and it just uh, it was, caught your eye, right? Oh, like, my God. Those things yeah. are absolutely stunning. What color but, uh, was it, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was burgundy, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, wow. I was looking at one that was a nice pewter color, you know, like a, a silver, almost almost um, um, gray. But uh, uh, that's kind of what I was looking at. But, um, you know, it's, the price is something you need to look at. But, I mean, before you commit yourself to something like that, John, uh, you need to take it to a reputable shop, get it to put it up in the hoist, and make a decision from there. But thank you so much for the phone call, and I hope that my advice helped you out. Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here with Ken Stape on, on the line. And uh, if you have any calls, 416-870-1050, or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. The best call of the day will get two years worth of free oil changes courtesy of Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take a small break, Ken, and we'll be right back. I pull up like How you pull up, baby? How you pull up? How you pull up? I pull up Self in the kitchen Let's go Brand new Lamborghini A cop car With a pistol on my hip like I'm a cop Have you ever met a real new rock star? This ain't no good talk, this a clock Who would have ever thought that you were bobbing your head In a sports station? It's happening. You're listening to the Carrasco Show here with Ken Stapon on TSN 1050, talking about all sorts of different things. You know that uh, that old muscle car thing is a, is an interesting conversation, Ken. Uh, the um, you were asking me during the break whether is a uh, you had a question about whether to buy it here or somewhere else. What yeah, yeah. So I know John was looking for the El Camino, and one thing that I've always thought about muscle cars, particularly when you live in an environment such as Ontario, where you have the h- more harsh winters. You know they have to endure the winter conditions, where it's you know much colder. You get the salt, you get the sand, which is also just makes it much more conducive to corroding out that frame. 
So my question would be, if you are looking to buy one of these muscle cars, would you be better off to be looking locally and look in Ontario, or would you be better off to look in a different climate? Like perhaps be looking somewhere like Florida or somewhere like Texas or Arizona, where the climate is much more conducive to keeping the car in good shape. You know, that's really hard to say, you know, because, um, again, the climate is uh, is is a definite um uh, you know, it has to be a factor, right? Yeah, it's a definite factor when it comes to the condition of vehicles. But, uh, you know, there are some people here that are super, super amazing with their vehicles. Like I know somebody, uh, you know, Don, Uncle Don up in, um, in, it's in north of, uh, north of Newmarket. I can't remember the name of the place where he lives. And uh, he has a 1969 Mustang that he bought brand new. Uh, back in 1969, and he's kept it that long. Everything is original. This vehicle is, you know, before the break, I was talking about an orgasm on wheels. Yeah, yeah When you see this thing, you you immediately fall in love with it. And uh, I drove Ooh. it once. <laughs> and I drove it once. And uh, you you would never imagine that this that car feel uh, was the way that it was the norm back in the days. And today, vehicles feel so... Um, structures so detached there is no there's no real connection between you and the machine anymore uh, one of my favorite cars of all time is the uh, clearly is the nissan gtr and that thing is is so precise it's so unbelievably designed for it not to allow you to make a mistake that uh, it, it separates you from the road uh, it will not let you make a mistake. It's constantly protecting you. But those cars back in the day, uh, man, <laughs> if you, the, the one wrong gear in the wrong turn, off you went. It was a whole different experience. But, uh, you know, uh, there, there are some pretty good owners of cars like that up here in, uh, in, in Canada. And sure, you know, some sure. people have heated garages and uh, they do the treatment. They, they make sure they take the vehicle out and uh, on the road. They, they drive it around for a few hundred kilometers every month just to make sure that the vehicle stays up and running. So, no, I, I think that it's, it's such an individual case. You need to look at those cars on a case-by-case -case basis. You, you cannot draw a blanket statement on where it's better to buy uh, you know, uh, an old muscle car. Uh, so, but, um, so fair to suggest that the ownership that you're buying it from is just as important, if not more important, than the climate that you're buying it from itself. I think that uh, you're absolutely right. Um, the owner will ultimately determine how well uh, they want to keep this vehicle. And if they want to keep it for a very, very long time, I mean, you know, that's, that's in, you know, a very, very individual thing to do. Uh, but Russ is a pretty big issue here. Uh, in Canada is if you are looking at long-term ownership with your vehicle, um, anyone that has lived in this country for a long time, especially in areas where you have a significant amount of salt and snow, uh, and you're planning to keep your vehicle for any more than three, four, five years, you're going to start seeing rust spots. And believe it or not, Ken, one of the number one reasons why vehicles start rusting is because people don't wash their cars. The... Uh, you will be amazed as to how people, how little people care about washing their cars, man. Sometimes we get trade-ins, Ken, that I do not want to get in. I, I, I really, because of the I, outside or because of the inside or no, because both, of both? Both. Yeah, the both. interior hasn't been cleaned in a while. It's got oh, bird poo dude, all over dude, the Dude, I, I can't it's explain to you. Situation. I mean, I don't want to expose anybody because uh, this didn't happen at my store. Uh, this, actually, you know, in Oakville is pretty good. Uh, but uh, I, I worked somewhere else once and uh, uh, somebody traded in a 10-year-old caravan, okay? 
Hold on a second. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> it was a 10-year-old caravan. Uh, the car smelled inside. It was just an awful, awful smell. But uh, uh, they traded it in. Uh, the vehicle didn't have a lot of kilometers, so it, the person was just not tidy. And uh, when, we, when we were in the process of detailing the vehicle, we discovered that there was a piece of slice stuck to the side panel of the vehicle in the very, very back uh, row of the seats. So <laughs> there was a pizza slice stuck on the actual cloth on the side panel. We couldn't remove it, Ken. We could not remove the pizza slice. Something's happening here. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a wet pizza slice that stuck is on disgusting. the back. Dude, I've I, heard some gross things, but like a live pizza slice that's been there for so long that's stuck on the interior of the car. Like that it, it just was literally screams. fossilized. I, I don't understand. Like, why do you have the caravan? Do you have people not riding in the back? Do the passengers not say anything? Not to mention the fact that if I'm trading in my vehicle, I'm going to make sure that I get it detailed. I'm going to make sure that I get it washed so that I can try to make the maximum amount of money get the maximum value from the dealership. If you're just rolling in there and you got McDonald's bags and pizza <laughs> slices and like a dead mouse under the seat oh, in the back, dude. it's just a complete disaster. Like, yeah, why would the, you ever do that? The problem is this, Ken, that, you know, when you have kids, oh, it's so, so difficult because kids are in the back. They're always messing around. You need to keep them entertained. The kids? You know, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. If, if, like, if you have kids... And you're letting them eat pizza in the back. You at least gotta do a sweep before. Like that's you, not because of the kids that there's the pizza slice back there. It's because the owner just doesn't care. And I completely I even, understand. I can't even imagine the smell. Like, what can you like a nice anchovy slice uh. of pizza just cooking in the back of the car for however long, like two or three years? I mean, eventually it just would be absorbed into all the fabric in there. It's just disgusting. Oh, you know. If I can tell you one thing that is the absolute worst in which when you have kids and, and, and every mom and dad that's listening to the show knows this. You don't have any kids, Ken, do you? No, no kids. Okay, just, just wait. Just, just, my, uh, just my puppy. That's uh, the just, only responsible life that I'm responsible for taking care of. Just wait until this happens. You know, you have your kid in the back. You hand them their bottle of milk and milk gets spilled on the back seat on uh. a summer day. The the removal of the protein stench out of that car is virtually impossible. You will not be able to get in the car. And uh, it happens. I mean, it, it does happen. And that's why it's so important, folks, that uh, you upkeep your vehicle. Because having a clean, detailed car when you show up to the dealership to trade it in sometimes could make difference of thousands of dollars. I mean, it's all about presentation, right? And uh, a lot of people don't take th that comment seriously enough. But today I, I wanted to have a conversation because yesterday I, um, I did a podcast uh, with a buddy of mine that uh, I know from jujitsu, and he is a, an, another money person that he wanted to have me on the show. He was looking for a vehicle and he was looking for my advice. And uh, he asked me a question that it's a pretty big bone of contention out there in the city, Ken. And the number of times that I've tried to answer this question as honestly as I can is, is beyond me. But you still find people that say, ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe you. I, I know better. You see, in my mind, whiners, that's the way they sound, right? <laughs> Everybody I, I, has I their better. one voice for the internal monologue when somebody's <laughs> pissing them off or whining. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Like sometimes I'll be doing it to my girlfriend, and she'll say, "Is that what I sound like to you?" And it's like, uh, yeah, maybe. 
Yeah. I I know better. <laughs> I, I I think it's a waste of money. I don't care that you've done this 50,000 times. I know better. You see, you got to remember this, folks. Look, and for the, I apologize to everyone that has been listening to my show for 13 years because you've heard this coming out of my mouth so many times, but I have to, I have to be sensitive to the fact that the listeners here at TSN, they, they don't know me yet and they need to understand all of these things. The average Canadian buys a car every four and a half to six and a half years. So that's how often you exercise this negotiation muscle. So if you got in the ring and you took a few lessons in Brazil or into a, into a mat and you took a few lessons of in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu five years ago and you learned a couple of moves that you thought you knew really well back then. And then today you walk into a dojo and you challenge the professor. What do you think is going to happen to you? What do you think that the possible outcome of you winning is going to be? I wouldn't if even I be concerned about winning. I'd just be concerned about walking out of there without a broken limb. <laughs> and the reality is this, that if you ever score anything, it's not because you were good at anything. It's because the, the professor allowed you to score something. You are simply nothing more than an object when you walk in. And this, the exact same thing happens in a car dealership, folks. You see, you think you know what you're doing. No, you don't. You, you cannot compare your buying skills to someone that does this for a living. These people are professionals. Well, it's just they simply are. when you look at the repetitions too, right? Like these people are selling, you know, 20, 30, 40 cars a month, and they're going through these negotiations with multiple people a day. So if you're doing that, like for example, in your sense, where you've been doing it for however many years, I don't know the exact number, 20, 30 years? 27 years. 27 years you're obviously going to have so much more experience. And I think the Malcolm Gladwell says you need 10,000 hours to become an expert. You've clearly logged that amount of time. So you're going to be the expert in negotiation. And the other people, like they'll be lucky if they, like you said, you're doing it once every four, five, six years. You're lucky if you might be buying six or seven cars in your lifetime. And these and, guys are doing that sometimes in one week. And sometimes even in one day. So any illusion that you may have that you are good at negotiating a car deal is simply the illusion that the old school car dealership made you believe that you had the power to change the outcome that the dealership was going to determine on you anyways. It's not true. It's not true. Do you really think you stand a chance? And that's what they count on. You know, Come and see me. I'll give you a deal. Let's come and see me. Let's negotiate. Why do you think they ask you to do that? Because the chances are that they will win. I, I'm going to make a statement right now, Ken, that people that are listening to the show need to understand. If the dealership didn't think that it made sense for them to sell the vehicle, and you thought <laughs> that you were beating the dealer down to the point that there was nothing... <laughs> That is a win for the store because the dealership will never sell you a vehicle that doesn't make sense to sell it. Does that make sense, Ken? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, why would you sell something out of your store at a depreciating value where it's going to cost you money? It just makes sense that you're always going to take a deal that's going to be financially... Feasible uh, for the company. Yeah, that's what but I was you looking see, for. The number, of people, the number of people that think that they can go into a dealership, beat the dealer down for three, four, five hours and think that 
they are going to make sure that they're going to make the, the cost of that vehicle be less than the cost that the dealership paid for. You are insane. You are convincing yourself of something that is not true. If I pay $10,000 for a vehicle, do you really think that if you stay three, four, five hours in that store beating me down, that I'm going to sell it to you for less than 10? What do you think about that, Ken? <laughs> no, I don't think that you're going to sell for less than 10. And also, now I'm starting to wonder if I should be rescheduling my appointment at my local jujitsu club to go and uh, wrestle the black belt because I'm feeling differently about that as well. That's precisely it. So, you know, folks, this is one of the reasons why I think it's so important what we are doing at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And I don't mean to circle this back to my stores. It's because, number one, uh, we don't talk, uh, we don't negotiate on used cars. We give you the best price right up front. And if you offer me $50 less, I won't sell you the vehicle. Why? Because it's not fair. So if your mom came and tried to negotiate with me, or you came and you were really tough with me, do you think that you should pay less than your mom? So you think that nice people should pay more for cars? Is that what you're telling me? No, it doesn't work that way. It's not fair. So, you know, the, the whole concept of this one price system is growing legs to the point that most dealerships are going that direction. It's the same thing that's happening with commission sales. You see, if, if a commission salesperson makes the most money by not giving you a discount, what do you think the chances are that they are going to want to give you a discount? What do you think those chances are, Ken? Uh, I'm gonna take a stab in the woods here and say not very likely. I will quote, Upton Sinclair one more time. You cannot expect a man to understand something when his very income is based on him not understanding it. You cannot expect that commission salesperson to give you more discount that will affect his own income. It's a conflicting system. It's an adversarial system. That's why I don't like the idea of commission sales. If you truly want to look after your customer's well-being and look after your customer's needs, you cannot, you cannot pay somebody in making the customer buy something that will give them the most amount of money. It doesn't work that way. So no commission sales people, one price on the used cars, and we're moving slowly and slowly away from negotiating on new cars because I really don't like to do that either. Um, but that's how we're doing it. Now, the reason why I decided to enter this conversation is because one of the questions that my buddy Chris asked me yesterday on his podcast was this, Greg, is it a good idea to buy an extended warranty, yes or no? And that is a question that I'm going to answer immediately after the break that we're going to take. Folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here with my buddy Ken Stapen. This is on TSN 1050. The best call of the day is going to get two years free oil changes at Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity. Call us, 416-870-1050. We'll be right back. Complain about my eclectic taste of music. 
Metallica to MJ. For a second there, I thought this might be Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> but as it, as it turned out, it was indeed the original by Michael Jackson, not Eat It by Weird Al, and so I'm happy for that. I am I'm very happy about that. Folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here with my buddy Ken Stapon on TSN 1050, Canada's largest automotive radio show that is not about autos. It's not about cars. It's about everything else. But some, from time to time, we need to answer some questions, right? And... Um, this this conversation will continue to come up as the show progresses uh, because it seems like people become hypersensitive to a specific topic when they are in the market of buying a vehicle and that and that segment of the population changes every single week, every single month. We have a new group of people that are in the market buying a vehicle. And, and at that point, you turn into the Carrasco Show. You can you know, download the podcast. You can go to Apple, uh, iTunes, and the, the Greg Carrasco Show podcast is there. So you can listen to us on your own time. Or you can go to gregcarrasco.com and you can just download it from there. So we are literally everywhere. The best call of the day is going to get two years free oil changes courtesy of Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So just make sure that you have something interesting to say if you are going to call. The numbers are 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. Or you can reach out uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, in any one of the social media platforms. We are literally everywhere. So what I want to tell you folks for the next few minutes, and I know this may sound a little bit dry for your conversation. And, uh, you know, if you're driving in the car right now, and if you ever ask yourself the validity of an extended warranty, this is all I'm going to tell you. Every single insurance, every insurance that you can think of is a complete waste of money. Your life insurance is a waste of money. Your disability insurance is a waste of money. Your job loss insurance is a waste of money. Your pet insurance, your car insurance, your extended warranty, your rust proofing and undercoating. What other insurance do you think that there is out there? Do you, have, do you have the farmer's website open or something just listing all those off? I didn't even realize there's that many kinds of insurance. Oh, there are all kinds of insurance, but every, you see an extended warranty is an insurance. Every single one of those insurances is a complete waste of money until, until you need it. And when you need it, you're going to say, oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I have insurance. I'm so glad. <laughs> That's the way okay, that an excited I'll, I'll, person I'll buy sounds. that. I was, gonna, I was going to suggest that <laughs> I've, uh, I've pet insurance myself because you never know what's going to happen. And you I've never had, know, man. Yeah. You, and I've you had, never know. It actually, what spurred me to do it was a friend of mine also had a puppy, and she was playing in the dog park and was running and ended up breaking her leg because she stepped in a hole while she was uh -huh. running. It ends up being, you know, like over a thousand dollars. You know, I don't know the exact number, but it was a huge medical bill. And obviously, you're going to pay it because they're a part of your family and you love the animal. But it's just a huge financial hit that you aren't necessarily expecting. And that's just the sort of the exact reason that people get insurance is because it's a peace of mind and a protection that you aren't going to get nailed financially based off an arbitrary circumstance that you can't predict. So. Is that you don't know. You simply don't know. Yeah, you have no and idea. I am not a gambler, folks. I am so literally overinsured. And when Money Mike comes on the uh, on the other side of the hour, he's going to tell you how unbelievably overinsured I am. So I challenge anyone that's listening to the show right now who disagrees with me to call the show. And I hope you have your arguments straight if you do call. 
416-870-1050 or toll free at 1-855-591-6876 to challenge me on this. So what I want to tell you is this. These are the reasons why you should always, 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 if you are financing a vehicle or if you are paying cash for a vehicle that I hope you don't, if you're financing a vehicle or paying cash for a vehicle, you should 100% of the time get yourself an extended warranty. When you're leasing, you need a different type of warranty that I will speak to you at another time. Do they sell but those are, warranties on Facebook Marketplace by chance? They, they actually do, believe <laughs> it or not. And uh, if you have a Nissan or an Infiniti and that you bought it without an extended warranty, you can come and see me and I will sell you one right now just to protect it. The vehicle now needs to go through an examination. You know, the same thing that happens when you get life insurance. You see, they're not going to give you life insurance unless a nurse does all its, you know, his or her things on you. You know, blood work, all sorts of different testing to make sure that you are in sound physical condition before they give you that insurance. With cars, it's the exact same thing. But when you buy a new it's different, but you can still have access to an extended warranty. So these are some of the most important things that you need to know when it comes to an extended warranty. Number one is that if you are doing what I tell you to do to reduce your annual transportation cost and is to keep that vehicle until it dies, this will give you peace of mind for a very, very, very long period of time. Right now, you can get extended warranties up to 96 months or 200,000 kilometers. Think about this for a second. You can get a comprehensive factory warranty for up to 96 months, 200,000 kilometers. So anything that breaks down that doesn't have to do with driver usage, any, any factory flaw would be covered under your warranty. It's, it's a peace of mind that you, you can literally buy these days. Number two, you need to cover your behind. I'll, should I? Can I say the A word? No, I can't. Right? I can only say it once, but I don't. Wanna, I don't want to relate to the world that way. We're not in podcast right now. You know, you should cover your behind. Things are very expensive to replace because not very often dealerships and shops are fixing things anymore. You are replacing parts. That's why it's so important that you have some additional coverage that is going to protect you in the eventuality that something goes goes wrong. Number three, you have a fixed budget. You have a transportation budget that you want to stick with every single month, regardless of what breaks on your, on your vehicle. So you now you can, you can control your cost and keep your savings as savings as opposed to paying for miscellaneous expenses because your transmission fell off in year seven of your Pontiac vibe. Do you know what I'm saying? So a transmission, a driving axle, suspension, alternator, radiators, calipers, master cylinders, all those things are very, very expensive and you should not, you should not be budgeting for those things. You buy an extended warranty and guess what? It'll take care of itself. Now, you have to be careful with the kind of warranty that people are selling you. If you buy an, an ABC warranty from, you know, funny company, Guess what's going to happen? They're going to find a reason not to pay you. So it's very important that you get yourself the manufacturer warranty of the vehicle that you bought. If you bought a Toyota, get yourself a Toyota warranty. If you bought a Honda, get yourself a Honda warranty. If you bought yourself a Hyundai, get yourself a Hyundai warranty. It is the best possible option. The next one. The next one is a pretty important thing. And a lot of people don't know about this, Ken. 
Most manufacturer warranties these days will give you a large portion of your money back at the end of the term if you don't use it. So, for example, if you spent, I don't know, three dollars $3,500 on an extended warranty because they're not cheap and you don't use it for five, six years, guess what? You're going to get up to $2,000 cash back if you don't put a single claim. Really? So, yeah, man. I didn't is... know that they had those sorts of policies where it's sort of you got, they paid it forward at the end. So, that in that sense... It's almost like you're getting the peace of mind, but then if you don't even need it, you still get some cash back. You get a cash back, and yeah, and, that's not a bad deal. When you look at your exposure, you know if if you use it, great. Now you have an extended warranty, and if you don't use it, great. You got two thousand dollars back, and and you get that on a lump sum when you pay the extended warranty. You pay it in small monthly or biweekly installments. So it's it's like a forced savings for your protection. So it doesn't make any sense for somebody not to get this. Now, you got to remember this, folks, that Nissan, Infinity, they have 6, 7, 8% market share. So 92% of you will not be buying a product that I sell. So the fact that I'm telling you this, it applies to every single car manufacturer out there, especially if you're buying American imports, <laughs> I am telling you, especially if you're buying American imports. Now, saying that, if you're buying yourself a Korean or a Japanese import, it is a, they are making it so easy for you to get yourself an extended warranty that uh, it doesn't make any sense for you not to. Next, and I'm going to try to speed this up because, you know, the hour is running out very, very quickly. You have unlimited claims. So let's say that you bought yourself a lemon because it does happen. It happens. You know, it, it doesn't matter what you do. At some point, you're going to buy a car that will give you headaches. So you can put one claim in the next five, six, seven, eight years, or you can put a thousand claims during the next five, six, seven years. And guess what? Every single one of those claims will be covered if it pertains to the manuf a manufactured defect of that vehicle. Not tires, not windshields, not headlights, because a lot of it, it has to do with driver usage. The same thing with brakes. Wearable items will never be covered by any warranty. But everything else will be covered, either one claim or a thousand claims. Next, warranties now. You can accommodate your warranties according to your driving habits. So if you're driving 80,000 kilometers a year, uh, pardon me. Yeah, 80,000 kilometers. You can literally just buy yourself a warranty that will help you facilitate the exposure. If you're driving 80,000 kilometers in 10 years, now you can buy time. So you can literally customize the program of an extended warranty that you have in order for you not to be exposed according to your driving habits. Now, exposing yourself to risk is something that I don't like. And this is one of the reasons why I'm constantly telling you folks, if you want to minimize the amount of brain cramps that you're going to get after you buy a car and you keep it for five, six, seven, eight years, guess what? Get yourself an extended warranty. Next, it protects your transportation, your money, and your car. The vehicle will always be up and running. And if the vehicle breaks down, most extended warranties will have a rental car included. So you're never going to be without wheels. It's very, very important that you do this. Next, it increases your resale value. So let's say that you don't use the extended warranty. You decide to trade in the vehicle uh, six years from now, which is well after the factory warranty has expired. Because you have an extended warranty, you can sell that vehicle for more money. It's worth more money because you have protection. Protection is in, invaluable.
You cannot measure the amount of value that an extended warranty will add on your used vehicle. So when you trade it in, you're going to get most of your money back. Next, there are thousands of moving parts on your vehicle. The average vehicle in the marketplace right now has 25,000 parts. If they're not wearable items, guess what? They are all covered. What do you think the chances are that one of those two 25,000 parts are going to break down in the next six or seven or eight years? The likelihood is pretty, pretty high. So that's what you buy that extended warranty for. Next, not all of this is altruistic, believe it or not. You know, it's not, extended warranty is not all for you. There is a benefit for the dealership, and this is the benefit for the dealership. Historically, the stats have said that people that have extended warranties will have a better relationship with their selling store because now every time they come in, when there is a problem, it, the money doesn't have to come out of their pocket. So therefore, the relationship with the dealership stops being transactional and it becomes being more of a, an assistance type of situation. So you have an, an issue, no problem. You know, just bring it in. Your warranty will cover it. We'll give you a vehicle to drive. We'll take care of you. It becomes about keeping you on the road. So the dealership has a tremendous amount of vested interest in you being happy with your transaction for a very, very long period of time. And guess what happens when you're happy with your dealership? When the time comes and you need to get another car, you're going to go back to the same dealer. Why? Because you were happy. Last one. Last one. is then It's probably the most important one. You always get an expert to work on your car 100% of the time. And you do not want to go to a generalist. You don't want to go. If you have a toothache, you don't want to go to your family physician. You want to go to the dentist. And that's what happens. Car industry is filled with specialists. Yes, there are some generalists out there that can do some basic work in just about everything else that comes along with a car. But the reality is this that I will not be able to do the work on a Toyota as well as a Toyota mechanic will. Anybody that tells you otherwise is just trying to convince you of something that is simply not a fact. If you buy a Honda, you service it at your Honda dealership. If you buy a Hyundai, you do the exact same. And the same thing applies to Nissan and Infinities and all those car manufacturers. Now, most dealerships today, they have a used car department. So they sell just about every single brand that you can think of. And on that basis, we learn to be generalists. But the reality is this, that from time to time, we still need to send those cars to the selling dealer for them to put it through their systems, to use their computers, to use their technicians to be able to fix that vehicle properly. So folks, look, you can fight with me on this, but I advise you not to. After almost 50,000 transactions in the car industry for the last 27 years, I can tell you without a, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that if you're financing a vehicle or you're paying cash for a vehicle and you're planning to keep it for any more than five years, you are doing yourself a massive, massive disfavor by not getting yourself an extended warranty. And this, that's how we conclude hour one of the Carrasco Show here with my buddy Ken Staple on TSN 1050. On the other side of the hour, Esquire Money Mike is going to join us and he's going to teach us how to build wealth. And it's not what you think. It's not what you do when you go looking for those success tips on Instagram. This is TSN 1050, and this is the Carrasco Show. Let's take a small break. DJ.
Calling my phone like I'm locked up nonstop. From the plane to the helicopter, yeah. Cops pulling up like I'm giving drugs out, nah, nah. I'm a pop star, not a doctor. Calling my phone like I'm locked up nonstop. Hey, what's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show only on TSN 1050 Toronto. Check, check him out. Greg and the gang, uh, yeah, enjoy. And we're back. This is yours truly, Greg Carrasco from the Greg Carrasco Show here with uh, Ken Staple, my friend from TSN 1050. Trying to inject some knowledge into your life, trying to make your Saturday mornings a little bit more enjoyable as we glide through life wrapped around in this cocoon of crazy narcissism in which we think that the world only relates to us. No, there's more to life than just what you see in the mirror, believe it or not. And for that, we equipped ourselves with experts. We equip ourselves with friends. We equip ourselves with books and ideas that will help us fend off the monsters. You see, growing up in another country and not having any idea as to how to manage my finances, I don't know how this happens, but you know, it was serendipitous is the word. I met Money Mike 20 years ago now. Damn. Damn. 20 years. 20 years ago, I have known you. Damn, you're old. You know, (laughs) I want to share this story that is going to make my very, very, very uncomfortable. Go for it. It's not going to happen. So (laughs) when I I met my ex-wife, folks, um, you know, we, I don't know, we we started seeing each other and... um, um, you know, things, I, I messed up very early on in, in that relationship. And then she didn't talk to me for a while. But then we, you know, we continued to date and things got serious, you know, pretty quickly. And uh, one day we, we were out for dinner and she said, Greg, I, I got to tell you something. And I don't know how to tell you because this could mean that you made me so mad at me that you will never, ever, ever speak to me again. And I thought, oh, man, what am I going to hear? So my ex-wife said to me, um, way before I met you, says I have a really, really good friend. And uh, we were both single at the time. And we had planned a trip to Europe. And uh, we paid the ticket, we paid for everything. And I'm not going to cancel it. Now he is dating his current wife. And now I'm dating you, she says. So <laughs> you and his girlfriend are going to have to get used to this idea. <laughs> because <laughs> We are going away to Europe. So I said, okay, let me understand this for a second. You're going away to Europe with some dude? <laughs> with some dude. With some dude. <laughs> ah, folks, and that's how I met Money Mike. Well, and, and what does that tell you about the fact that you met me and then you said, yeah, I'm good with you going away to Europe with him. I'm good. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, you know, know. The, the reality is this, Mike, that, uh, you know, at some point, uh, you know, trust, you have to, you have to jump in both feet. Yep. And, uh, you know, my ability to trust the person that I was dating at the time was crucial. If I didn't trust it, then I needed to end the relationship. And uh, I, I never had any reason not to. So I, I went in with, uh, with all the benefit of the doubt and I was really crazy and comfortable. But then, then we became friends. And, uh, you know, you are still with, um, 
you know, with your girlfriend at the time, Andrea, who, you know, we went out a couple of times together, I remember at the time. And, yeah, yeah. and that it was it was great. And that started a, a relationship, a friendship between you and I that has, you know, transcended two decades. That's nuts. So when my ex-wife and I split up, I, I literally just kept Mike in the divorce. <laughs> so it was a <laughs> if, if she hears what I'm saying right now, she's just saying, no, you didn't. Let's I'm, fight for it in court. I'm still <laughs> friends with her as well. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to Europe together. Uh, I mean, that's we we move on. Yeah, we, we all did. So yeah. this is Money Mike in the house. Uh, if you want to reach Money Mike, um, believe it or not, all his financial wealth building expertise is available to each and every one of my listeners. So if you have a pen handy, grab it because you need to write this number down. Money Mike's direct line is 905-320-6762, or you can reach him at moneymike.ca. So I'll repeat, Money Mike direct line is 905-320-6762, or you can reach him at moneymike.ca. Now, he is right here with me in my house. You know, this room can, I have this room set up with all the foams and the sound, uh, you know, what do you call that, sound insulation in the room? And the machine that I use to broadcast, and the room gets so hot, mm -hmm. So hot, it's crazy. But if you want to call the show right now and ask Money Mike a question about your finances, about your investments, you came across some money and you don't know what to do with, or you have some savings that you uh, that uh, is doing nothing for you, and uh, that keeps going away and uh, uh, and service fees and bank fees and whatnot, call us four one six eight seven zero ten fifty, or you can call toll free one eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six. How are you, Mike? I'm doing fantastic. This is a bright, beautiful day. This is a huge day in the LaRock household today. Wow. What's happening? The boy turns 13 today. Oh, wow. He is a full-on teenager. He's a 16-year-old teenager in a 13-year-old uh, time frame. He's, uh, he's gotten big on me. How's so, he? Yeah. How tall is he now? He's, uh, we don't know. We, have, we, we measure them every year on her birthday on the door. I haven't done it yet today. I, I suspect five, nine and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... I was, we, we actually, my parents were over last night to, to celebrate his birthday and they brought me the measurement cards for my brother and I really? growing up. And at his age, I was five, five. Yeah. You know, I, what you see back there is uh, my son, Josh's, uh, you know, measuring yeah. table. You see when my ex-wife and I. Uh, you know, his measuring board got evicted from the cottage. <laughs> so I said, here, we don't want this here anymore. So oh, it was so sad, man. <laughs> it's like, that was the last thing that I had up at the cottage. Anyways, uh, whatever. We spent a lot of good times here. But you know, my, my youngest son, uh, he is uh, 14. He's turning 15 now. It's, it's, it appears that every single week I see him. He's taller and taller and taller and taller. His all legs and his feet are almost my size already. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch, it but it's, it's also very sad. <laughs> it's like my little guy, man. What is yeah. happening? Last week you were two. Now you're 13. Mm. Um, you know, before we start into lessons of, you know, for building wealth, because this is important, folks, that you listen to this. We have Alex in Toronto regarding an inheritance. Uh, Alex. Thank you for calling the show, and uh, I'm going to try to make your life easier. You have a question for Mike? Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, well, um, this uh, past June, my my father passed away. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, but um, the thing is, the life insurance like my mom has, she has up like upwards up to, I guess, close to a hundred thousand. I mean, it's with the bank. She she likes to stay with the banks and that. 
Sure. So, like, I'm going to have a meeting with the financial advisor next week at the bank and just to see what to do with that money because, like, she's 75 now, right? So we don't want it to her money, so we don't want to put it in something too risky, mm-hmm. of course. But we do want to make something because it's quite a bit of money there, right? Right. So I'm just wondering what you'd, in a general way, advise. I know they're going to probably recommend stuff too, but I don't, and I just want to, you know, kind of preserve the capital too and just be, because it's, it's her funds and she's kind of really, you know, elderly and. You know, Alex, I um, did you write Mike's number down? Uh, you, I you know, might. No, no, write, I don't, I don't no, know. write it down. It's, it's very important because you see, if you if you go to a financial institution, you're gonna get someone that you know probably just started doing this that doesn't have the expertise of I mean, the money Mike does, and that right. you you want to associate yourself with someone that is going to make your money work for you with so many years of expertise. This is over twenty years, and uh, you right, know, right. he is the only person that manages my money. Nobody else is allowed to touch my money. So his direct line is nine zero five three two zero six seven six two or moneymike.com. And believe it or not, Alex, there is a lot of people in your position that are trusting some of the most important financial decisions into uh, into places mm-hmm. that maybe don't have the experience that you require. So I'm going to let Mike answer this right now. Sure. So, sure, sure. Yeah. you know, people who've been listening to us on the show uh, since its uh, previous life uh, have heard me say this before, and you have to go back to the financial plan. So let me relate this to your mother's situation. Right. With the loss of your father, you first have to evaluate what effect has that had on her finances. Mm-hmm. We've lost some income because he's passed away. How old was he right. when he passed? Sir? How, How old, old was, was he? your dad? Oh, my dad was... <coughs> sorry. He was uh, 75. Okay. So that means we've lost his old, old age security. Mm-hmm. His Canada pension plan was cut down to 60% at best. Uh, right. of what it was before. If he had any sort of company pension, that has also been cut back. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to start from scratch and figure out what is the financial effect of, of lost income, et cetera, mm. now that dad is not here, the income splitting we used to be able to do that we're not able to do. What is the effect on your, your mother's overall financial position and her income? And only until you know that answer can you decide what you need that money to do for you. When you know what you need the money to do, that will dictate the investment decisions. If you look through all that and say, oh, her income's fine. She's still bringing in more money. We don't need this insurance money. Well, then Mm -hmm. now, again, it makes it a lot easier. You can make some different decisions. You can do things, as you said, like preserving the capital and let's just hang on to it because my mom's older and we don't need to take any risk with it. But if it needs to replace some lost income... Right. That's going to dictate a different set of decisions. So, you know, as Greg said, take down my number. Give me a call outside the show. I, I'll ask you a few basic questions sure. to help me understand what your mom's needs are. And I'll give you some direction uh, and just understand whatever decision needs to be made with this money. It doesn't have to be made right away. You've got time. Don't rush into anything. Take the time to figure out what you need this money to do for you. And that will help with the decision. Does that help yeah. you uh, there, Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I did some of that like evaluation, like I know my my mom's getting the survivor's benefit. I know I kind of calculated other things, yeah. um, like what what she was getting. She wasn't getting a lot, right? Because she she uh, left her job a long time ago. 
Like, right. like she didn't work till 65. My my mom stopped working in the mid 90s or something like that. So her her income, her um, CPP and all that was very low, anyways. Right. So I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I think my brother and I were looking at that. And we're saying, okay, we need a certain amount of money to pay bills and so forth. Exactly. And, well, um, you know, yeah. Alex, give give uh, Mike a call after the show, or he'll call you, and then you guys can uh, set up a meeting in which he can actually help you. You know, I, I think that I try not to pump his tires too much because I don't want Mike's head to grow. Uh, but the reality is, is that the kind of advice that uh, is available to all my listeners with Mike here uh, on on air with me is something that doesn't come around very often, uh, and uh, it's important that you folks take advantage of that, especially if you're coming across an inheritance, especially if you're trying. Yeah. To plan for you know you know estate planning is is yeah, very yeah. very important. But thank you so much for the phone call, Alex. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure that you guys will talk on the other side. Sure. You know, I am. Um, it's interesting how many people find themselves in this situation, and you know, it, this is great that he had the sense to reach out to you and and, mm-hmm. and try to ask those questions. But when when you when you when there is a death in the family, and uh, only then you are looking at what to do it tells you the absence of an actual financial plan. Sure. Because this should never happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people who do it themselves, and there's some people who've done a great job of that. Um, and, and what I've found, and it's probably something similar in Alex's situation, is that in most couples, there's usually one member of the couple that takes a greater interest in the, in the finances. And in this case, if it was dad, and now dad's passed away, you know, mom's kind of, she's lost her, her number one advisor. Yeah. So yeah, now they have to look outside to, to get a little bit more help. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why Money Mike is here. So if you have a pen, write the number down, call Mike on the other side, 905-320-6762 or moneymike.ca. But if you want to talk to Mike right now, call us at one four one six eight seven zero ten fifty, or if you're calling from out of town, this one eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six. Now let's get into the meat. Mm. This is important to me. When when I got the uh, the content of the show for this hour, I was actually pretty excited because many people. If you ask most young people today, Mike, you know, do you want to be wealthy at some point? They unequivocally, one hundred percent of the time. Oh, actually, no. There are a few exceptions out there these days. <laughs> um, they will tell you absolutely yep. yes. Yep. And uh, how are you planning to do that? Well, uh, I don't know. And that becomes a big question. And I was I was joking around this morning saying that if you go to Instagram and look for those success tips that uh, some of these uh, <laughs> quote uh, accounts will give you, ah, the chances are that uh, you need to get a little bit more granular and specific. So when when you're talking to my listeners this morning and you talk about the lessons for building wealth. Um, I want you to just break it down for me. Let's talk about the 1%. Let's talk about those habits that people have that will have the best and most um, favorable outcome uh, when the time comes. And, you know, you talk to me about the 1% here. Yeah. So building wealth, uh, you know what? Honestly, it's a mindset. It's, it's something you have to do on purpose. And it's really, really simple. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's really, really simple. So, you know, the top one percenters, everyone has these visions of uh, people who run major corporations, people who uh, inherit a ton of money. You know, they were born into it. And the reality is that's just not true. For the, for the vast majority of people, in fact, literally more than three quarters of people who achieve some sort of 
financial wealth or, or financial independence. Uh, they achieved it not through rare financial privilege, but through very basic values, exercising discipline, uh, the sense of potential that was shaped by their family from an early age. So, you know, 77% of people who are wealthy today, those top one percenters, were middle or lower class to begin with. Okay, repeat that. That's a crazy number because that's not what people think. No, no. Well, again, it's it's. Uh, there's a belief that that there's some sense of privilege or or uniqueness to to achieve that level of success. So, seventy seven percent of that one percent that we speak about yep. were people from the middle class and lower and lower. And they, in fact, quite literally, one in five were poor when they started out. Are you serious? And they achieve that that sort of wealth. So the majority of it, um, and they've built it from earned income, the, the majority of those people. So this is not inheritance. Nope. This is not the lottery. This is nothing other than the money that they worked for. Correct. So Correct. what is the sense that uh, the 1% is always part of the privilege when this here is breaking it down in ways that, uh, where did you get this stat from? I'm just curious. Uh, this was an article that appeared in, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal uh, earlier this year that talked about uh, how this was achieved. So, you know, it's, it's a fairly simple thing. It's not an exclusive club. Anyone who wants to be there can, but it is a mindset. It has to be done on purpose. Well, it's one of the advantages of a free market, right? Class mobility. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the fact that you have the opportunity to do something and you're not restricted by the system is what appeals to me the most. But I mean, this right here defies just about everything else that we keep here in the media these days. Right. So you can achieve that 1% status. And But more importantly for me, I, I just want you to dissect what are some of those basic mm -hmm. habits that people that achieve this wealth do in order for me to get there. I mean, yep. there's no sense in reinventing the wheel when we already know what the secret is. That's, that's been my motto in life, man. Someone else has figured it out. Just do what they do. It's that's the best people to take advice from, you know, in, in this, if folks, if you, uh, if you're listening to this and, uh, and you're a young person and you have parents, I'll, I'm going to share something with you. This is a quote. I don't know who said it, but it's any fool can learn from their own mistakes but only the wise learns from others' mistakes. Mm, so that's quote. what parents are there for, folks. <laughs> We've done it. We've messed up. So Mike, talk to me about some of the roadmaps, some of the simple sure. habits that we, that we can start applying right now that would help the young folks, or even not so young anymore, to achieve some sort of moderate wealth. Yeah, no matter, no matter how old you are. I mean, the, the key, first of all, is to save early. And early, if you are in your 50s and you haven't started yet, early is today. Early is as early as you get because you can't rewind early the clock. Now. Early is now. But save early. And the, the first rule of financial planning and building wealth has always been spend less than you make. <sighs> I know. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Who wants to live within their what you, means? And... What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? If it's, I make $1,000 a month, I'm not going to spend 1500 What do it, you mean? It's such a boring concept. Spend I less know. than you make. But, you know, uh, and I've used this quote before from Grandma Weeks. If your outflow exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Spend less than you make. Now, you know, I've got some, some great examples in, in 
history of people who have done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir John Templeton, huge, famous investor, one of the most successful investors through the 60s and beyond. When he started out, he and his wife were both working and they decided to live on half of their income Damn. and they were going to save the other half. Can you imagine? Live on half of your income. And then as that half that they saved grew, Uh their income grew more and more. Eventually, they were living off 40% of what they earned and then 30% of what they earned and their their wealth just grew. But let me me be the devil's advocate right now. Doesn't that take away from living? Like, I want to live my life. I want to, I don't want to deprive myself. If I want to go out for dinner right now, guess what? I'm going for dinner. Yeah. If I want to get myself that watch, I'll get myself that watch. Yeah. But, you know, how does that interfere with life? Well, again, it it becomes the mindset of someone who wants to build wealth. They had the discipline to do the things early in life that their peers weren't willing to do so that later in life they could do whatever they want. What if you don't make it? What if you don't make what? Later in life. Later in life? What if you die early? Well, then your financial problems are over. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Ah... Don't you just love it when somebody makes you sound dumb on air? <laughs> Thanks, Money Mike. You, 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 you gotta live for sure. But having having built that wealth, they've got more options than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, so so all the people who said, "Yeah, but I really got to enjoy myself," and and you didn't. Okay, well, I, I I'm accumulating wealth, and now I have more money at a time in my life when I know myself better. Mm-hmm. I know what really matters, what my priorities are, and now I get to to spend my money where I think it's best. Don't get me wrong; I don't disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just trying to be the devil's advocate. No, no, Come for on. sure. Come on. But you know, here's another example. Um, uh, fairly famous book writer Robert Kiyosaki wrote the book the um, Oh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor right? Dad. So he said when he and his wife, after they went broke and were starting over after his second failed business, you know, the guy actually invented the Velcro wallet. Anyway, let's not get into that. <laughs> but after they had gone broke, they both went out and got jobs and again, lived off one of their incomes, the other income they took. And their plan was to buy two rental properties every year for five years. At the end of five years, they'd own 10 rental properties. Mm-hmm. They never looked back. They never looked back. Those properties were being paid for by somebody else. They grew in value. Their wealth grew. They could now work and enjoy all of their income. The, the, the reality is that, I mean, personal sacrifice is not something that is really, um, th- that is really taught. I mean, nope. you know, the, the living on less and prolonging or I would say deferring your enjoyment of life is not something that comes natural to people. We want this now. Are you referring to delayed gratification? I feel like we've spoken about this. We before. have spoken about this before. Yes. Uh, you know, talk to me about more of these principles here. Uh, you know, the, you're talking about recommended to save what percentages right now? Well, so we'll, we'll get into how people save uh, a little bit after this, but you know, what are they required to save? The long-term standard in the industry has always to suggest to people, they got to save 10%. Okay. No, pay yourself first, save 10% of what you earn. Well, most people or more people than ever before are delaying entry into the workforce. They're staying in school longer. It's taking them longer to get their careers going. A lot of graduates today having to work two and three part-time jobs before they get into their career. So saving 10% isn't 
isn't quite enough. That number's already been increased to 12. And the experts actually suggest that for women, that number should be 15%. Okay, explain that to me. Because there will come a time, statistically speaking, where women will have to support themselves completely independently. Because men die younger. Because men die younger. <sighs> They're going to be responsible to pay the bill. Alex's situation, his dad's passed away. Now mom is on her own. And that's, so they need a little bit more saved uh, to support themselves on their own. We men, we're lucky. We always get supported by our wives and then we die. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, so you got to save a little bit more, but start early. And it's simple. And that's, that is a mindset. It says, you know, never mind the, the question about I want to enjoy myself and live today. It says, starting out with purpose, I'm going to decide how much I need to save to enjoy and build wealth and enjoy my life, and I will figure out my standard of living off what's left. This is Money Mike in the house teaching us how to build wealth. You should pay attention. Take notes. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here with Ken Stapen on TSN 1050. Let's take a small break, and we'll continue to give you some tools, some tips, some ideas as to how you can start preparing for the future. Let's take a small break. We'll be right back. Mike Robitaille here, and I'm just your basic, mediocre, former NHL player. And speaking of mediocre, here he is, the Greg Carrasco Show. are back. You are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show with my friend Ken Stapon, on TSN 1050, Canada's largest automotive radio show that's not about automotive. It's about everything else you want to talk about. And uh, we are lucky enough that from time to time, my personal financial advisor for the last, how long, over a decade now, is here, Money Mike Esquire. So if you have a pen handy, you want to write his number down. If you're coming onto some money, if you have some money saved up, if you don't know what to do with your investments, if you're not happy with the person that's managing your monies and you want to have some true, trusted, tested already advice from one of the, one of the, the most professional people that I've ever met in my entire life, call Mike. 905-320-6762 or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. That's after the show. If you want to talk to him right now, you want to call 416-870-1050. Or if you're calling from out of town, you want to call 1-855-591-6876. Now, we have another question for um, for Mike here. Sam from Oshawa. Sam, thank you for calling the show, and uh, you have a question for us. You know, where you talk about families saving money these days, when our parents were growing up, their income was maybe $10,000 a year. A house would cost thirty or forty thousand dollars, three years of income. When I was growing up and working, when I was making fifty thousand dollars a year, a house would cost a hundred and fifty or two hundred. Again, three or four years of income. Now, mm -hmm. people make maybe sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. Houses cost six hundred, eight hundred, a million dollars, mm -hmm. even just to get started. Like ten, twelve years worth of income. 
how does a family even get a roof over its head and try to raise kids these days, never mind trying to save money? That's my question. I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm 73 and I'm retired and I'm doing all right. But what do families do now when they're trying to get started? Yeah, it's a it's a real problem. In fact, this is uh, my good a good friend of mine who's also my lawyer um, friend first, lawyer second. But um, we we've had numerous conversations over this. How are our kids going to be able to afford houses? And if the world is such that they can't afford the houses and have to go living an alternative way because they couldn't buy a house on their own housing prices are going to have to come down. And part of the reason why they're still somewhat affordable is because interest rates are so low. You know, those areas you're talking about, your parents buying homes, interest rates were 13%. Oh, I understand. You know, early 80s, those those uh, rates hit 18, 19, 20%. Oh, I remember People had to walk away from their well. homes. Yeah, oh, for sure. So, yeah, when you've got 13% interest rates, housing prices based on the payment requires to afford it uh, reflect that. But when interest rates drop to ultra low levels, that's the only thing that's supporting these housing prices being so high. And it is a real problem. Uh, in fact, I know in England, for years, it has been a problem for a great many of them. The only way they become a homeowner is by inheriting the family home. Yeah, the only I mean, way. Even, even just to be able to pay rent for some families takes 50% of their income just to be able to pay rent. 100%. And then, 100%. And then how do you live? And that's, you know, never mind how do you even save money. How do you live? And, and my heart goes out to these people. I agree, they really do. I agree. Um, you know, Sam, I, I really appreciate your call, and uh, you know, thank you for commenting on that, Mike. I just I don't agree with you guys. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna please disagree devil's with you guys. advocate, please. Um, you see, a lot of people today live their lives as if they're wealthy. Mm -hmm. They go out for dinner three, four, five times a week. They order, uh, you know, takeout three, four, five times a week, buying clothes that they don't need, spending things you know, on, on things that they, you know, is, is, is completely unnecessary, buying shoes and clothes and all these things. And, you know, so long as you go out on the weekends and buy a bottle of tequila for $600 at the local club and that you put it on your credit card, you're never going to be able to afford anything. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that if people start living a little bit more as if they were in the middle of a depression and maybe becoming a little bit more conscious in the way they spend their money, perhaps we wouldn't be having the problems that we have in today. Um, the, and the, the reason why I say this is because, you know, I look at my sister, my sister moved up here from, from Chile about 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, she's, she doesn't work. She homeschools a little girl. And, uh, and my brother-in-law doesn't make a ton of money. They, they don't. But, I asked, when was the last time you guys went out for dinner? She said, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. That's how long it's been. When was the last time you bought new clothes? It's just, we don't. Why? We, we never really go out. So they go to the Salvation Army thrift store and they buy their clothes. But they have a business. They own two homes. And I'm like, what? How are you doing this? <laughs> how are you doing this? Yeah. So I, I think that there is a lot of personal accountability that needs to be taken right now. Well, 100%. 100%. And I, I like what you're saying there because, you know, uh, Sam called in with the question and, you know, sort of remembering a time when, yeah. you know, this is what we earned and this is what houses cost. Well, you know, back at the, the in the 70s and the early 80s, the, the national savings rate in Canada was 20%. Back then, people saved 20% of their incomes. So that's how they afforded houses. That's how they, they were able to, to achieve some, some wealth. 
because they had a saving discipline. As you said, your sister does not work, your brother-in-law doesn't earn a ton of money, and yet two houses and, and, they're, and they've got a business. So it becomes it comes down to values. And if your value is material, and if you get sucked into that world, if you let your lifestyle dictate your money, then you'll never be able to afford things. You have to decide what you want your lifestyle to be and have your money work inside that, not the other way around. This is the reason why it's so important, folks, to have somebody in your arsenal like Mike that is going to give you the straight goods when it comes to your own money. Um, you know, number one that you said for building wealth is spending less than you make. Yep. Save early, Save period. Early. Number two, uh, we're talking about prioritize, prioritizing your future goals. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit about this. Well, I, I think we've we've really talked about it. It's It's prioritizing future goals over your current needs. Keeping your focus on your long-term goals. As you said, can't be buying $600 of, uh, bottles at the, the club if you're trying to buy a house someday. We've all, seen, we've all seen the girls, man, with the, uh, with the sparklers coming out. Oh, we all know who's buying that bottle of vodka. <laughs> yeah. What is it that you have to... Uh, Ken, you, you, are, you go to clubs, man. I, uh, how much does it cost to rent one of those things? What do you call them now? You know when you rent a place at the at the club? What you rent the booth? Is that the what you're booth, talking about? The booth. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you right. rent first a, off. Yeah. Seriously, you rent a booth yeah. back in our day. You got the booth at the clubs. So you got there first. No, now you got to no, rent it. You got to rent pay it. A couple it. thousand dollars usually, I think, if you want to get the booth, and it comes with wow. a couple balls of booze and such. Also, let me clear something up. I'm not a huge club guy. <laughs> I don't know where this perception came from. Now that my woke roommate, you up. <laughs> my roommate, on the other hand, he's a big club guy. He likes to go there at least a couple times a year on his birthday. His girlfriend like it they do the whole shebang that you guys were talking about they rent the table they get the balls of booze they have about 30 or 40 people come and they just like to make a whole evening of it for me i can't i I can't justify spending that sort of money on it just seems like throwing money out the window i'm more of a get a six-pack and sit on my back deck patio kind of guy you you know all you need to do is go downtown to king and spadina and uh, and look at the debauchery that takes place there. And it think, oh, man. is a gong show. It is down there on Saturday nights. It's insane. So you know, number three, Mike. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's okay to have vanilla investment plan. It is. It is nothing fancy. I mean, wealth building again is very simple. Not saying it's easy, but it's a very simple concept. The the majority of those people who built wealth did it with just traditional stocks and bonds slowly over time you don't have to get fancy you don't have to buy into the latest dot com that's going to become the the next facebook or the the greatest amazon competitor in the world that's not where the the vast majority of people built their wealth just plain old stocks and bonds over a long term and you can build wealth with the advice of an expert we have matthew here from etobicoke thank you for calling the show matthew how can we help hey how's it going guys it's going. How uh, you know? You have a comment for me. Uh, I you know I read the comment and I am like ready for you. Talk to me. All right. Well, um, you know I, I've been listening to you guys. To be honest with you, uh, I listened to 1050, but this is my first time listening to your show. And well, uh, I've I've listened for the last 15 or 20 minutes or so. I'm in the car and mm-hmm. and um, you know I understand the concept of of wealth being attainable. Yes. Um, if you sacrifice and and you know live for the future as opposed to living for now, mm, um, I'm not sure that I made that comment, but I, I hear what you're saying. Well, that's I'm, the I'm perception. Paraphrasing, of course. You, sure. you, you sacrifice in the short term for freedom in the long term. Um, you know, 
and 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 that's understandable. But what uh, what kicks me is that our society and the, and the way that the world is is it's a consumer society, yes. and it is not designed to to promote that. It is designed to create uh, a, a place where people um, don't achieve wealth, right? Uh, in in order to make others wealthy. Exactly. And, I was going to say, it's not that it's designed for people not to achieve wealth. It's designed for a select few. As long as the masses become consumers and, and buy everything we tell them they need to buy, then a few people will become wealthy. That's right. And, yeah. and you know, and so I think that, that the real question needs to not be, you know, can you attain wealth and become part of the 1%? But the mm. question is, why the hell does the 1% exist? Why are we sitting here talking about, oh, this is how you can become part of that elite group if you sacrifice and you work hard and, and you can become that 1%. Why are we striving to become part of an elite group that, that essentially you know, shouldn't exist in the first place? We well, have- you know, I, Matthew, let me, let me just clarify here. I don't think that, I don't think that the, the goal is to strive to become part of anything. I think that what we're trying to do here and, you know, and I'm speaking from personal experience on this. Um, you know, I am 48 years old. I have three kids. And uh, I, the only thing I seek is not to become part of the 1%, but I just seek to live comfortably. And uh, I love living in a society in which that is a possibility. So mm-hmm. it's got nothing to do with the 1% or the 10%. It's got to do with being comfortable, living a life that you want. So, mm-hmm. you know, the... I mean, the, the whole idea of this is, is the fact that we have opportunity for us to be comfortable, but it's got to do with the choices. And so long as we continue to blame the society for our crappy choices, you are never going to be able to take personal accountability for the actual outcome of your life. So this is the reason why we have this show in which we, we have an honest conversation about some of the things that people do that can only be blamed on themselves. You know, we talk about this club thing that Ken likes to go so much and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and spending $1,200 on a booth every single weekend, spending three, four, five hundred $500 for a bottle of booze. Meanwhile, you put in this on a credit card. You can't blame society for that. You can only blame yourself. Yeah. No, no I, so- I understand it. I'm not in any way trying to take away from the concept that people make bad choices. I've made bad choices. And, and I take ownership for those bad choices. The, the, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm comfortable. I'm not uh, by any stretch of the imagination wealthy. Um, but I had, you know, a decent job and I make decent money and I try to save and what have you. But it, it, it still comes back to the concept that, you know, we, we say, oh, if you make the right choices, but there's some people in this world, a lot of people in this world, who those choices aren't even an option. Right. And, I, I, and you know, sorry, I, Matthew, I don't um, I don't know if I agree with that last comment. I, uh, you know, we can get into a political uh, you know, conversation about this or a philosophical conversation, if you will. Uh, and uh, I I'm, I'm going to put a pin on this because we need to take a break. And uh, Matthew, thank you so much for the phone call. And I will address this at some point in the third hour because it's important what you just brought up, Matthew. And I totally respect the fact that you called and said this. So let's take a small break, Ken. Uh, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show here. You don't have to agree with us. And I love this. This is TSN 1050. Call us 416-870-1050. We'll be right back. <laughs> Come on, 
guys, this is Roberto Alomar, and you are listening to the one and only The Greg Carrasco Show. show on TSN 1050 here with my friend Ken Stapon and right now in the house Money Mike Esquire and I want to send out a, a big shout out to his wife Andrea that's listening to the show it's so cute they text each other when he's on <laughs> he's on the show it's the best <laughs> uh, a big hug Andrea I haven't seen you in a little bit since you bought the vehicle but uh, you know you know, Mike is in, in good hands, and he's just not some dude. <laughs> Mike, I want you to address this 1% comment because I'm annoyed right now. Matthew annoyed me, not because of what you said. It's because this is a prevalent thought these days. Yeah. And, um, you know, can you address it, please? Well, and, you know, I appreciate where he's coming from. And, and this show is not intended to say, here's how you can become a one percenter. It's about, here's how you can build wealth using the tips that the 1% gave us and those tips and how most of them became one percenters is pretty boring simple stuff it's not a, a big elaborate scheme to turn you into a consumer and hoard all the wealth for themselves there are some pretty easy things that everybody can do to build a level of wealth to give them financial independence i'm, I'm not trying to create any czars here um yeah that's that's you and i and i, and I respect yeah. what you're saying i i think that you see, if somebody knows the way and that they've done it yep. and it's very simple and we can all learn some tips from people that have been able to accrue a little bit of, you know, reasonable wealth and they're comfortable now themselves and their family. Why not? Yeah. You know, especially when you live in a society that allows you to do this. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to address this on the other side because I okay. want to keep this for okay, you. Sure. Now, so let's let's go back here. We have our last segment and uh, Here's the question. Okay. Where do I build my wealth? You know, I, I'm in my 40s now, barely. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I have this need of building some wealth. Okay. You know, tell me some of the things that I need to do. So, you know, the traditional routes that people use that, again, these one percenters used as well, and it worked. It's not hard. Simple things like investing, professionally managed money, traditional stock and bond portfolios, uh, that are available. Anybody anybody can own them. They, they are not exclusive. There's plenty of room in this club. Uh, so, you know, using programs like RRSPs and TFSAs, non-registered investments, rental properties. Mm -hmm. I mean, your own principal residence, obviously. That, that can help you to build wealth. Owning businesses. You know, we, uh, Greg and I, you know, you and I uh, fielded a question by email from Gino earlier this week yeah, saying, we you know, RSPs versus uh, non-registered, I'm working so much harder for myself and, and will achieve more if I can have my investments be charged capital gains rather than RSPs that are fully taxable. So we had a little bit of a debate on that. And taxes are important. You always got to be mindful of the taxes for sure. So, you know, these are the routes that you can use to build that wealth. I mean, 
when we got into that debate of uh, RSPs versus non-registered to earn capital gains, the ideal in my mindset is contribute to your RSP and use your tax refund to maximize your your TFSA. If you can do that, you'll want for nothing. Really, yeah. But there are there are some subtle different uh, subtle times, I should say, when one program makes more sense for somebody over the other. But the point is, use them and build mm-hmm. wealth. It's simple. We we often on this show get questions about rental properties. Isn't that the better way to build wealth? Well, it's a fantastic way to build wealth. I'm a huge fan of rental properties. But you have to understand that there is a huge difference between passive investing, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, mm-hmm. RSPs, TFSAs, and a rental property, which is an active business. It's a different mindset. It's a different skill set to be able to manage properties, to manage renters, and to build wealth that way. But it is a phenomenal way to build wealth. Love people who do that. I'm, I'm not against it. But I'm also a big fan of, of sort of spreading around diversifying your approach. Mm-hmm. Don't do all of anything. Do a whole bunch of everything. And you can build wealth slowly over yeah, time. That's interesting, though. And for that, you need some guidance. I mean, you, you need some professional advice when it comes to those things. Yeah. Um, you know, you when you're too busy trying to you know work and generate your own income, you know you need to have the help of some professionals on the on the sideline, you know, helping you achieve those goals. I mean, there's where people like yourself, you know, come in so handy. They, you know, for me, anyways, mm-hmm. because uh, you know we're drivers. I I'm an industrious person. I'm constantly working. Even when I'm not working, I'm working, and um, I I need some uh, you know uh, I would say a, a compass, you know, right. just to you know to direct me in the right direction. Um, Buy a house and rent a room. <laughs> you know what? Seriously, uh, you talk about kids not being able to own homes. Yeah, there's probably more people, especially if you live in the GTA, that the only way they can buy a home is if somebody else is helping to support that purchase. So buying a rental property that you live in and someone rents out part of it. Um, the, I mean, that method of, of owning a home and building wealth has been used for generations. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, anybody can do so it it really is a question of how important is it to build that wealth and if that's the way that you can afford a house then do it i think that today you hit in the nail right on the head um i i don't know very very many people that don't want to be financially comfortable uh, right. when you ask that question most people will say yeah you know i'm one of them yeah and a lot of people look at building a comfortable financial life as a daunting task as so difficult they they are standing so close to their finances that they are unable to detach themselves to add some perspective and objectivity to their plan and there is uh, again there is where the value that i see in arming myself with some expertise but i guess the, the whole point of today's show with with money mike here was to was to essentially share with you folks as to how easy it can be. It's simple. Yeah. How, well, it's how simple. simple. Not easy, but simple. simple. Yeah. Yes, there was a big distinction there. <laughs> yeah. You know, how simple it can be that you can make some very small adjustments in your financial life and have some huge results. And that's the, the purpose of building a plan is to say, you tell me where your values lie. You tell me what you're trying to achieve. And then you show me how you're going about it. And I'll make some recommendations on how you can improve it. Early is today. The best time to do it for many of us was 20 years ago. The second best time to do it 
is right now. And I have to tell you, folks, that you're not getting any younger. Things are not going to get any easier. If you don't have the energy to do this right now, guess what? You're not going to have it 10 years from now. That's why if you have these questions, you have to call Money Mike 905-320-6762 or you can reach him at moneymike.ca. We're going to be right back with the Greg Carrasco show here. We got to take a small break. Mike, thank you for being on the show. Pleasure, Greg. Thank you. I pray to make it back in one piece. I pray, I pray. That's why I need a one dance. Got a Hennessy in my hand. One more time. And we are back. <laughs> what a show. What a show. This is the Greg Carrasco show here with Ken Stable on TSN 1050. If you're new to the show, um, you need to uh, you need to know a couple of things. This is the largest automotive radio show in Canada, period. So my area of expertise is the car industry. So if you have any questions about cars, not so much mechanical side because I, I – I hate mechanical aspect of anything. I don't have a single mechanical bone. But if you're talking about buying cars, selling cars, leasing cars, destroying cars, liking cars, you know, all those sort of things, you can call me. However, this hour is for you. This is the hour that you can air your grievances. This is the hour when you have any complaints, issues, questions, suggestions, concerns, beefs. You can air it out. If you want to call in and disagree with me on something, do it. 416-870-1050. Or if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. You have a beef? Call us. You got a problem? Call us. You have a grievance. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> I, you know, this conversation about the 1% can drives me absolutely insane. <sighs> I need to have a Zen moment. Can you talk to me about this for a second? Yes, of talk course. So when you start talking about wealth, this is the most polarizing thing, I think, that people can talk about because it's not really discussed. It's not really proper to talk about what you're making or what, how you're planning for your retirement. I mean, it's just one of those topics of conversation that doesn't come up at the dinner table. It's like politics. It's not good form to generally bring it up because it makes people self-conscious. And a lot of their perceptions about money are based off of the circumstances which they were raised and the perceptions around money which they were brought up in. So if your parents weren't the best with money, you learned about money from them. So maybe then you have difficulty with saving money and the patterns and the habits that are good. Where consequently, if you grew up in a family that you were instilled these values, where you understand the importance of saving, where you understand that you should live within your means and not spend outside of what you're making, it makes it easier once you start getting older. And I feel like that's the reason that people, a lot of people just don't understand the simple habits. It's just because they simply weren't brought up around it. Yeah, but I mean, how is that anybody else's fault well it's nobody's fault but the fact of the matter is is that people have to take the time to educate themselves like for myself for example i read a book by jen sincero she's she uh, kind of writes like awareness books and one of them is on financial uh financial responsibility and it's called you are a badass at making money and it just gives so much insight into the habits that you can change and the things that you control right, 
to make yourself financially independent and live the life that you want to live. Because it's not necessarily, as we were talking about in the last hour, about climbing that pinnacle or trying to get to the top of the mountain where you're within the 1%. I think that everybody would agree that they would be happy if they could live financially or financially support a lifestyle that makes them happy. So it's not necessarily about being the richest guy on the block or getting into that you know neighborhood with the big stone lions at the gate. You just want to be happy and feel secure and know that you're going to be able to provide for your family. And I think that's something that everybody has the means of doing. It's just instituting the right ideologies and understanding that you have the capability to do that for yourself rather than struggling and not understanding the simple habits that can really help you out. But you see, there is where the problem lies. You know, if we blame all our shortcomings into society, the place that we're born, and other people's choices, it absolves you from any personal responsibility. So once you become accountable for your own actions is the only way and the only time that you can actually be proud of your own accomplishments. You see, I I don't resent people that make money. I, I never have. And in fact, I, you know, I, I when I think about it, I, I'm so unbelievably happy that I live in a society in which the possibility is there. But, you know, so long as we keep blaming, looking out the window, looking for somebody to blame for our crappy choices, you will never be able to take accountability for living a better life, for, you know, for creating a better future for yourself and for the kids. Oh, no, I'm just a victim. So if you're a victim, I can't help you. A victim is a state of mind. A victim is a decision that you make. You see, you can be the perpetrator, you can be the victim, or... You can be a survivor, man. You can you can beat the game. But if you are constantly trying to look for somebody that is is putting you down, that somebody that is is making your life more difficult, and you say, "Oh, I'm you know I'm I'm just I'm just a victim of the system." I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm sorry. You see, I'm not from here. I'm not white. I couldn't speak English. And uh, you know, when, when we talk about learning, you know, from your parents, hell, my, you know, my sister and I didn't even have parents, so I made all the bad choices. You can think of one bad choice, Ken. I've made it. And I can tell you this. The Unfortunately, we learn our life backwards, but we live it forward. So every single experience, every single situation that we go through is always lived on a first-time basis. So if you want to ensure a better future for your family and for your children, you have to start by changing your own personal habits you cannot go and change the world if you can't even change yourself first it's something very simple let's talk to lou in oakville here i i want to talk to lou in his perspective on this um you know i i got all fired up lou man i i got problems <laughs> well greg i don't uh, great to be with you as always but you know uh you can be worked up because you're passionate about what's necessary to get where you want to go. And the one rule that I've always advocated is live below your means. means. Yep. If you have X coming in, you have to spend less than X. It doesn't make sense to pay the butcher, the bread maker, the candlestick maker, and leave nothing for yourself. You need to start consuming less and saving more and that'll be the key to your financial freedom well you know and, and i completely understand that but i mean the simplicity of that thought seemed to escape a lot of people lou and uh, because we, we, because they want it all now 
You know, like you're you're in the car business, and you've said how many times it's just a means of getting from point A to point B. Don't spend more than you have to. Haven't I heard you say that? Oh man, the number of times that I I I tell people you're buying too much car, don't waste your money, buy something smaller. They look at me as if I have three heads because number one, <laughs> it's not common for them to hear this from a dealer. Uh, number two. You know, I am challenging their status. <laughs> it's like, you deserve this. No, you deserve nothing. You deserve nothing. Nobody cares. And guess what? You are responsible for each and every one of your choices. And, and people have a tough time understanding this, Lou. And it's the same thing with housing, Greg. You know, too many people are buying more house than they really need, right? And they become house poor. And I always say, you know, find something that you can make work with your income. That's the best buy you can ever make, right? Well, look at it this way. I, I bought this the house where I'm living right now um, about four and a half, five years ago. And uh, I've been living in it for the last three um, you know, if I put if I, if I were to apply a heat map to my house, I would say that I probably occupy maybe ten to fifteen percent of the overall space in this house. So, right. guess what? Guess what I'm going to do with the house in the next three months? <laughs> I I'm don't gonna, know. Are you going to rent I'm gonna it out? Are you going to no? Sell I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I bought myself a smaller place that is going to fit my needs because, you know, it's, it's, I don't need something as big as this. And, you know, I am trying to, you see, I want to be the change that I see in the world, Lou. And uh, I don't want to go out there trying to change society. I don't want to change the world. I don't want to change anybody. I just want to change me. I want to make better choices than I made yesterday because that's the only person that I'm really responsible for. I am the only person that I have any control over because not even your kids are under your control. Kids will do whatever they want to do, and you know this by now, don't you, Lou? Absolutely, Greg. And, you know, talking about choices, did you make a choice on a dog yet? Oh, man, don't even get me started. Look, I yes, I, <laughs> I, I made a decision, and Ken, you know, I want you to you know, chip in on this. Um, I, I decided that I'm going to get a Shih Tzu. Um, okay. they're, they're cute little guys and, um, you know, that, that's what I want. But so once I decided to do this, Lou, I, I, I did the right thing and I went to the Oakville uh, Milton Humane Society Yeah. And, and I saw this little guy, his name was Archie and, uh, he's a seven year old, uh, Chihuahua mix. He was abandoned. He came in as a stray house train and his face, man, his face. I had to, I couldn't go and buy a dog without having a conversation with Archie. You know, I needed to sit down with this guy. So, <laughs> so last weekend I, I submitted an application because in the Oakville Humane Society, you need to apply to even see a dog, which is great. And um, on, Mon on Tuesday, I get an email saying, uh, we want to make sure that it's Archie, the guy that you're applying for. And so I reply back, yes. And then on Thursday, I didn't hear back. So I called them and... Um, you know, fortunately for Archie, but very, very unfortunately for me, I was like the fourth or fifth person that had applied to get Archie, and they they go by, um, you know, by order of um, arrival. So I was the fourth or fifth person. So I think that he's going to be uh, adopted out, which is great. Uh, but you know, I. I think that adopting a dog is uh, is something that has always appealed to me. My last four animals have been adopted, and uh, I felt that it was the right thing to do. But unfortunately, this COVID situation, Lou, and with people spending so much time in their houses, um, 
I've heard this from several different people from even even the Humane Society. Uh, through COVID, a lot of people are seeking out to get a pet. And yeah. um, there is a severe shortage of pets, uh, you know, for adoption and for purchase here in Southern Ontario. Well, Greg, after last week's conversation that you had with listeners about dogs and getting a dog, I found a list of the 10 smelliest dogs, and I'll send it to you because a Yorkie, you had mentioned a Yorkshire as something that you'd had. He's one of the, the Yorkshire is one of the top 10 smelliest dogs. And if you're moving into a smaller place, you may want to think about, you know, uh, the smell index of your next animal. <laughs> you, you know, I, uh, I actually had the opportunity to spend some time with a, with a teacup Yorkie for a little while. Who I, I, I love that dog. Uh, and he, he wasn't. I, I think a lot of it has to do with diet. But I mean, I am not a, a great, disagreeing with you. I just my experience with the uh, with with the Yorkies was not uh, was not bad at all. In fact, it was quite enjoyable. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, if I'm moving to a smaller place, the smell of a dog is certainly <laughs> going to be something well, you, that I'm going to take into consideration. One that, you know, maybe is not in the top 10 of stink. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. I really appreciate you calling the show. That's Lou's Kisses from Oakville, everybody. Thank you so much for the phone call. Lou. All right. Happy capitalism, Greg. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Man, you know, getting a dog can has been more of an ordeal than I had anticipated. It takes a lot, Greg, I and I can it. relate to your plight calling the Humane Society because the same thing happened to me. It was actually just before the whole uh, pandemic thing started. It was the pandemic thing as we're referring to as now. Uh, yep. It was probably in around October or November. I was going through the Toronto Humane Society trying to adopt a pet, sort of went down there, saw a beautiful black lab uh, retriever mix who is like right in the age group. I've always, uh, my first dog, I should say, was a lab when I was growing up. So I have a definitive affiliation for the breed. Uh And I was contacting them, you know, every day. And they said, oh, it's not, he's not for adoption yet, but call back tomorrow. So it's like, all right. And I call back tomorrow. It's not for adoption yet, but I think he's going to be up, um, not today, but the day after, but call back tomorrow. And I sort of just calling every day in the morning and the evening to try to make sure that I had the straight line on this dog. And I called the one morning that the morning actually before he was supposed Mm -hmm. to be available. And I was about to go down and wait at the Humane Society because that's what they said. If you're waiting in the door, I was ready to go camp out there all day. And they said, oh, yeah, he actually went up for adoption last night. And they gave it to the first person. I was so excited for the dog, but it was such a bummer to to just be sitting there and be like, yes, this is the dog. Like, I'm so excited. And you think you have the straight line on it. And then just like that, just gone gone and you know I, I felt the exact same way and I, I was super happy that this little guy Archie was being adopted and there yes, was like yes. two or three people that it's were great. willing ahead of me it was great for the dog um, but um, I, I was I was pretty goddamn sad uh, because even though I had never met the dog you know sometimes you, 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 you get your mindset on it yeah you need to have a connection right it's, it's just a weird thing and uh, I have always been such a dog lover that I've denied that side of my life for a long time and I I decided not to deny it to myself anymore. Um, but for those of you that are just joining the show, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco show here on TSN 1050 with my friend Ken Stapen. And um, this is the largest automotive radio show in the country. And uh, we try to keep it honest. We try to keep it open. We try to keep it eclectic and in, in, in a in huge variety of different topics that we talk about. But if you're looking for no-nonsense car buying advice, 
I live at Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity and for the month of August we have a crazy 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 demo sale there's about 35 demos that we have in the Nissan side and about 30 of them that we have in the Infinity side and in the Nissan side you can get up to $9,000 off in certain cars or you can uh, apply for the 0% financing and these cars have anywhere between you know, 2,000 to 12,000 kilometers. So they're virtually brand new. And in the infinity side, it's the exact same amount of kilometers, but you, you can get up to $14,000 off in some of those demos or 0% financing. So before you buy anything, you need to, you owe it to yourself to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity and talk to me. Um, because if, especially if you live in the town of Oakville, uh, I made a, a commitment to the people that, uh, my neighbors, because I live in Oakville, I work in Oakville, uh, that, um, now you really don't have to talk to the salespeople. You can just come straight into my office and talk to me. So now you can literally talk to the decision maker of the entire corporation. And I'm going to save you all of the time. I'll, I'll make it fast. I'll make it fair. And you will be taken care of. And that goes out to everybody in the GTA that doesn't want to deal with the nonsense of buying a car, doesn't want to deal with the dance of buying a car. Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we have a no commission sales system. We have a one price system in our used cars that you can, if you finance one, uh, you have 30 days to exchange it for anything else that we have on inventory. So best price right up front, no commission sales. You can exchange it up to 30 days. We couldn't make it any easier for you to buy a vehicle. And also, if you are looking at trading in a vehicle somewhere else, we are offering a free appraisal service to you. Come in, we'll appraise your car, and we will tell you what your vehicle is worth. So when you go and trade it in somewhere else, if you do, you know what the vehicle is worth. And this we do for free. Bring it down to Oakville Nissan, and I will personally appraise your vehicle to make sure that you're not being taken for a ride so that way it gives you an idea what you're doing. Taken so, for a ride. Nice pun there. <laughs> ah, you saw what I did that. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to this dog conversation that is stressing me out. I, I don't know what to do because uh, I um, although I, I, I am working on my ability to delay gratification, I am working on that. Yeah, as we were talking about with Money Mike, you need yes. to sometimes just take your time. The yes. good stuff will come, but you have to wait a little while. And patience is the key, especially well, in this circumstance when there's just a shortage of dogs at the moment. Well, here's the thing, though. It's just that I have waited a long time. You know, this, this idea has been rattling in my brain like a marble in a tin can for about two years now. And, uh, you know, once I made the ultimate decision that I wanted to get a dog, it's like once I know what the rest of my life is going to look like, I can't stop. I start living it. And um, so if you're listening to the show and you know anybody that has a Shih Tzu, uh, it doesn't have to be a puppy. It could be a grown-up Shih Tzu that uh, you, um, you think that you can't care for properly anymore uh, or that uh, maybe um, you, you want a different kind of freedom and uh, you're okay, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good at adopting you know, someone that uh, needs um, a different life, a different chance, a different opportunity. So if you, uh, you want to reach me uh, and you know of anything or anyone that, that has a, a Shih Tzu around in the GTA in Ontario, you can reach out to me directly on my social media, at Greg Carrasco, you can find me. Um, you know, wow, we send the back signal out there for a dog can. What is happening right now? Hey, man, you got to stretch your network sometimes to see what opportunities might be available to you. I'm having a good laugh, actually, because I'm looking at what Lou was, had brought up when he called in about the top 10 smelliest dogs. 
Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of a trend going on this list. All the dogs what? are a little bit either A, just massive animals, like St. Bernard is on the list, or very wrinkly dogs, like the English <laughs> Bulldog on the list. Uh, the Beagle, they have a little bit more of the, the extra skin, the Pug on the list as well. Hey, it's a it's a funny funny thing, but something that you should consider, especially if you're getting a smaller place, as Lou is alluding to. I don't know. I think a lot of it, a lot of the uh, uh, the smells that a dog will produce is the same thing that happened with humans. It depends on what you eat. <laughs> so yeah, if you, uh, there's a good chance that, uh, for example, uh, if you like to enjoy a slice of pizza in the back of a minivan. That that uh, could eventually end up good. a little yeah, bit, yeah. a little I, bit more stinky than. I, I am sorry, folks, itself. that you have to listen to this, but uh, I mean, like I said before, this show is open for all <laughs> different types of topics. You know, I um, I want to talk to you, uh, Ken, on the other side of the break because we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, uh, in relation to the number of families right now that have uh, 17, 16, 17, 18 year old kids that are going to be off to university maybe uh, soon because a lot of the stuff is um, has been done online now um, that uh, are desperate to achieve some sort of independence from their parents and they're looking for a car. Um, helping uh, your children with their first car is something that I'm really confused and turned about because I don't know what the right thing to do is. And uh, if you if you have a kid in, in that age and you want to share your thoughts and your experiences on this, um, you got to call us. This is uh, this is the Greg Carrasco show here on TSN 1050 with Ken Stapon. Now our numbers are simple. 416-870-1050 or you can call us toll free at one 855 591-6876 and like I said at the beginning of the show the best call of the day is when I get two years of free oil changes courtesy of Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity depending on what you drive and uh, if you have a good conversation if you have a if you have a good topic or a good comment call us we are here uh, Ken let's take a small break and I want to talk to you folks about the implications of helping your kid get in their first vehicle this is the Greg Carrasco show on TSN 1050 My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons. And now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! Listening to the Greg Carrasco show here on TSN Ten Fifty with Ken Stapen, the largest automotive radio show in the country. That's not about cars. What I want to know is that you know what was your first car and 
who helped you buy it. How did you do it? Did your parents get involved? Did they pay for it? Did they let you pay for it? How did it work? I am going through this, you know, myself. And, you know, th this show is where, you know, it's like a therapy session right now. This is, it's become where I come and vent. I have three therapy sessions during the week now. My real ones and this one here. That's great. 416-870-1050. Or if you call him from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. And uh, the best call of the day is going to get two years worth of free oil changes, courtesy of Oakville Nissan, which is where I live in Oakville Infinity. And Oakville drives Infinity. And uh, if you happen to um, not want to deal with, you know, two or three different layers of management and you want to deal with the person that makes the decision at, at the store period, come and see me uh, at Oakville Nissan. Uh, I actually sit in, you know, my office in the middle of the showroom and I have an open door policy. If you have um, if you have questions, if you need an advice, if you think that you're making a car buying mistake, if you made a mistake already and you need some perspective and some advice in relation to how to get out of the mess, guess what? You need to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are right there on South Service Road between Third Line and Bronte. Uh, there's a pile of dealerships in there, and uh, there's a you know a lot of good dealers in that in, in that neighborhood. And uh, if you drop by or if you're driving by and you're part of Slacker Nation, we have some paraphernalia for you to come up and collect. Where we'll look after you. Ken, what was your first car? 1998 Chevrolet Tracker, and I put that thing through hell and back. It was always mechanically sound for me. Uh, one thing that I will say about where I grew up was it was in a much smaller town. So there wasn't any real network of public transportation. It was kind of like you would have to walk five miles to the closest bus stop, and the bus only came once an hour and probably wouldn't drop you off close to where you were trying to go. So it was very essential where I grew up to have a car. I was fortunate enough that my parents did help me out. Getting my first car when I was 16 years old, still in high school, I didn't really start working until my completion of high school, so I was fortunate in that regard. And I did have a set of wheels to at least get me around. It wasn't the prettiest car. It wasn't, uh -huh. it wasn't like, uh, by any means, a chick magnet. <laughs> but, it was, but it got me from point A to point B, which is something that, as we have discussed, is the most important thing. And especially when you're young, you don't need the hot rod. No, you, you, you actually really don't. And, and this is something that goes amiss. Uh, and, and I see this happening in Oakville all the time, Ken. Uh, people, people buying brand new luxury cars to their 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And I see them just racing up Trafalgar Road there with all their friends, driving like complete idiots. And uh, it, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Cars are a weapon. Yeah, it's and, a uh, big I, responsibility to be getting behind the wheel. And especially when you're younger, you don't have the same regard for what you're actually doing and when you're driving that four-wheel thing regardless if you have somebody else in the car then you're responsible directly for their lives as well it is a weapon because you're driving just a, you know a 5,000 pound piece of metal you know 60 miles an hour down a back road it's like you have to understand that that's that's deadly if well, you, it could be deadly for yourself it could be deadly for someone else if you're driving erratically it is and i i always joke around the fact that uh, you know mercedes clas are the honda civics in oakville um because you really see these things everywhere um it's not an uncommon thing to see a 16 year old kid here driving a full-size mercedes suv or or a bmw three or four series and i'm like what like i mean 
what sort of standards are you setting for the kids and how what is, what about the lack of appreciation that you that they will have for the money you see i've always believed that you know like i i, I keep saying on the show and you know uh, and i actually believe this cars are a giant waste of money and no one should ever be driving a luxury car if they have a mortgage yes, or I they or they live at home or they don't pay rent it's a it's it's not it's not a good idea. You are setting, you know, you, we're talking about that society that doesn't allow you to succeed. <laughs> you want to not succeed? You know, buy yourself a luxury car when you are renting and see what happens to your finances. You know, you want to not succeed? Get yourself a luxury car on a lease. <laughs> you know, and, and then I'll tell you a bad decision. Uh, I think that the whole definition of luxury has become so common these days that it's not luxury anymore. It's not an exclusive thing that you do when you have some discretionary income after all your basic needs have already been handled. And that is something that is a miss. Let's talk to Todd and Barry about his first car. Uh, Todd, what's going on? How come I came to your dealership and didn't come away with any slacker nation paraphernalia? I'm very Because you didn't ask. You weren't there. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm always I there. Left, I just, <laughs> the credit card flew in one door, and then I left out the other. It was a miracle. That's funny. Did you pick up your X-Trail? Yeah, it was all good. All yeah. good. Thank you. Uh, no um, problem. You know, we, um, we we looked at the compressor, and that compressor is shot, man. Thank you. I know. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, you're going to have to replace that. But uh, anyways, uh, talk to me. You know, your kids' so first cars. I have, I have strong opinions on this because Please. I have daughters first of all and i think there's a difference between daughters and boys um hey, don't, don't say like that out them. loud man don't say that out loud because that could get you canceled these days <laughs> no 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 but you know what i mean there's, there's i know a, exactly what you mean of... <laughs> you can yeah hey say and, what you want yeah so um personally you know i don't want my kids in ubers uh, right oh. now um i don't want them on school buses that take you know, up here, they do three, four runs. They do high school twice, and then they do elementary twice, and then they come back and get them. Um, yeah. My oldest is going to university next year, and you know me. She wasn't going to get a car to go to university. That's right. She was going to ride ride the bus and stay in residence, but I don't want her riding a bus now. Um, and there is no residence. So, you know, kind of the world has changed. So in our case, we, you know, I feel strongly that they should have their independence, and they do need a car. Um, and school is $22,000 next year. And, um, you know, a, a part-time retail job doesn't make $22,000 even come close to it a year. So no, it um, not. for that reason, we're going to help them out. But we're not buying the Mercedes-Benzes. Um, you know, a 14-year-old car, I don't believe, is a luxury. I think it's just practical, quite frankly. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is that I, uh, as you know, I have three kids. And uh, I, I learn as I go, right? So um, because I... I, I bought my, my first vehicle uh, when I was 21 years old, and it was a 1983 K car that I bought for $500. That was my first car that I bought for myself. Um, it, oh, it was, man. It was. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> if a uh, if, um, full-size pickup truck means something, uh, a K car means the complete opposite. <laughs> 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 so, but anyways, and uh, and my 17-year-old daughter, in in typical 17-year-old daughter fashion, she until now she refuses to let me help her with this. 
you know she you know her father is quite possibly the most influential car automotive think tank in the country and she will not allow me to help her out she um, she wants to use her own money to buy her car she wants to make her own decisions and uh, as much as i cringe of the idea of her doing this and being exposed out there into you know an, an, into the unknown because i i have the answers for her I have to support the decisions of her wanting to be independent. I have to support the decision of her wanting to make her own decisions. And, you know, that's how we learn. Agreed. So, you know, I found a car, a 10-year-old car that uh, she's coming to see this afternoon at my store. And it makes me super happy that at least she's going to consider something that we have at our dealership. But you see, it for me, it's, it's amazing, Todd, how, how much in an attempt to help our kids, we are actually hurting them. Uh, we hurt them by eliminating the obstacles. And I'm not uh, romanticizing the struggle, but I think that there is something to be said about doing something that's hard. What do you think on that? I don't disagree with you, but I agree in trying to help them out. And, and I don't mean helping them out like uh, some of the kids you're referring to down your way where they're getting gas cards and, you know, brand new eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 cars. They pay their, you know, my world is they have to have, you know, quote unquote, uh, some some skin um, in the game some input yeah some in the game for sure and so the in the game for them is they pay their own insurance and that's not certainly cheap um they pay their own gas and um they pay the maintenance um so for me i want to set them up for success but you're right i mean um i see it too in our industry and uh, you see it as well um the people that seem to be given everything sometimes don't respect what they have um but i still that basic that basic principle comes back down to parenting um, that's, you know, that's sometimes that's just where it all boils back down to. But in my case, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for helping them and supporting them, but it's not a gift. You know, there has I, to be some. I, I don't disagree with you. Effort. And uh, again, you know, we, we live and learn, we do things, we regret things, we change things. And that's the whole process of improving on your own version of yourself, including the version of yourself as a dad. And, uh, you know, I, uh, my daughter is coming to see me this afternoon, and I'm thrilled that she has allowed me to at least give some input. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to take it, but uh, it, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, myself, my daughter is going to be driving a you know, 10, 12-year-old car because that's the way that it should be. You need to appreciate the value in things. Uh, Todd, um, you know how much I, uh, I love you, man. Thank you so much for calling the show. And uh, I really hope that uh, that X-Rail you know, lives for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, it's an interesting topic that he brought up as well. It is just different times now. And that's something that the parents have to consider when they're looking or when their kids get to that age where they're going to be getting into their first car. Because this is something that's unprecedented where you might not be as comfortable you know, putting the kids on public transportation or into an Uber or in this sense where rather than going and living at school, they're going to be commuting there instead. They're going to commute, commute into school and, you know, getting exposed to 50, 60, 100 people inside a metal tube uh, is not something that you particularly want to do after we just came out of one of the craziest pandemics we've ever seen. So, you know, car sales are going up. People are buying smaller cars. Individual transportation systems are becoming a thing right now. And people that never thought of considering buying smaller cars, guess what? It's actually happening. Let's talk to um, Ahmad in Toronto about the first car. Ahmad, how are you? Uh, we're actually going to go to Andrew in Whitby now. Oh, we we'll go to Andrew? Whitby, yep. Okay, Andrew, Andrew what's Whitby, happening? On the air. Oh, not much. How are you doing? Good, man. What's happening? 
Uh, no, uh, not really. Much, uh, just, you know, enjoying the nice weather. Um, no, I, I just love the point about you say about people owning vehicles, like if they have a mortgage and, and whatever, the fancy cars. And, uh, I mean, just a story in high school um, uh, where a, a classmate of mine had a, like a Mustang. She put diesel in the gasoline, and then her parents went out and bought her a brand new Mercedes. Oh, and, and, uh, there was I'm always like, that one guy that had the sports car in high school, wasn't there? But it's like yeah. you think put a diesel in the gas engine, you know, maybe not get a fancy car, you know. And, uh, but like for, my, for me, anyways, like I had a, my first car was a 2000 Impala, and uh, I was <laughs> in high school. And you, I loved it. It took a, it, you know, except the, it, looked, it almost looked like a cop car, because it was the white with the, the white. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know the car. Yeah, but it wasn't, and, uh, and then all my friends wanted to ride, so I ended up uh, selling it and getting a defense sheet pickup truck, you know, so I could take me and my sister to high school every day. And that thing was great, you know, and I've, I haven't owned a brand new vehicle or anything. I always get hand me down other than that. Did um, you buy it yourself or your parents bought it for you? Um, well, I actually traded in my Impala that was the hand me down. Um, yeah. So I guess you could say I took that money and, and I bought an 03 uh, Mazda pickup truck, and it was great. And everyone just makes fun of me because it was like, it was a Mazda, and I'm like, and but yet yeah, all the vehicles breaking down. Hey, listen, those those B series Mazdas, they were phenomenal pickup trucks. It's too bad they stopped making them. I, I, I um, the four the four Ranger and the B series pickup trucks were the same truck, so it was a joint venture between those two car manufacturers. And uh, I I have um, you know my my ex wife's uh, uncle um Uncle Bob up in Mattawa. He's a farrier, and uh, he at, at any given point he always has two of those pickup trucks in his garage because if one breaks he uses the other. He cannot be not he can't not show up for work, and uh, he swears by those B series pickup trucks regardless of how old they are. But uh, you know uh, it's amazing, Andrew, and I'm I'm glad that uh, you know getting all those old cars built some character in you, and now you can appreciate the newer and nicer things in life. No. And that's funny thing when I when I when I end up dying, it just so happened that my dad um, he, he just retired and uh, he bought himself a brand new uh, 2020 Jeep because uh, he was treating himself. And I ended up taking over his uh, 07 uh, Avalanche, and I really appreciate it. Not only because it was just my dad, but like it's my first like almost full size vehicle, um, and uh, it's a little bit of rest on it. But like you said, to get to point from point A to point B, that's all that really matters. That's right. You know, I, I really appreciate your phone call, Andrew. Um, you know, right now you're listening to the Carrasco Show, folks, and we're talking about your first car. You know, did your parents help you? Did you buy it yourself? What, how terrible was that first car? This is TSN 1050. You want to call us at 416-870-1050. Do we have time to talk to um, Ahmad in Toronto? Uh, no, Ahmad uh, dropped the call, so. Okay, no problem. Yeah. The, um, you, know, my, uh, you know, my first car, like I said to Todd earlier, was a... Uh, <laughs> was a great character building uh, experience. <laughs> Driving. If anyone knows what this car was like, it's a 1983 K car. Um, oh, it man. was silver and it had a red velour interior. <laughs> I looked a- this thing up last week after you said this, and my goodness, it was a box. Oh, dude. You know, I, I bought it for $500. I drove it for about a year and a half. Uh, you know, while I was just figuring my own life out. And then I ended up selling it for a little bit more, I think. You know, this is a long time ago now. This was in, I don't know, 91 or so. I, I made a little bit of money on the car, which is like really odd. And then my second car was the car that changed my life. I, I, I got to tell you about this car. Um, 
it was a 1983 280ZX 2 plus 2. You know, if you want to look that up, Ken, you, you're going to see that this this is one of the most beautiful cars <laughs> in my mind. It was one of the most beautiful cars ever built. Now, you got to remember, man, that I came from Chile. You know, we, we had Citroens. You had those little ugly things that uh, they came from, uh, from France, and they were everywhere. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, in, in, in South America, there are all sorts of different car brands that you have never heard here before. Like last time I went to Chile, um, for what I understand, there is over 30% market share with Chinese vehicles. <laughs> so you, we've never seen a Chinese vehicle here in Canada. But in Chile, almost 30 or just over 30% of all the vehicles that are sold in the country of Chile, they are Chinese vehicles. But on top of that, you have other manufacturers like Daihatsu. You have, now you've heard this before, Renault, Peugeot. Uh, Citroen, those are huge back home. I mean, if you were driving a Peugeot, you've made it, man. Are those uh, French cars or? Yeah, they're French cars. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that because I, I recognize some of them from uh, the IndyCar circuit, but obviously they aren't as popular in North America as they are down there. You know, we have Dean and Sanjay on the phone, but we're going to take a small break, folks. You're listening to the Greg Carrasso here on TSN 1050 with Ken Stapen. Uh, if you have a story or you want to talk to us about your first car, call us at 416-870-1050. Let's take a small break, and we will be right back here with the Carrasco Show. single show in which I don't feel sad that it's coming to an end. I always have the same physical reaction. Like I don't, you know, it's a funny thing, man. Like, especially at the beginning of the show, you know, it's 10 o'clock and you think, Hey, we have three hours to fill here. Like, where are we going to talk about? (laughs) And then next thing you know, it's the last 10 minutes and you know, we're rushing to get all the cars to (laughs) tie everything up in a nice bow. So many phone calls. So we're going to try to make it, you know, quick and to the point. Just make your point, and we have to move on. Dean in Etobicoke, talk to me. Hi. Uh, hey, how are you? Enjoy your show. Thank uh, you. I've listened to you for quite a while, but I, uh, I've i never called in, so first time. That's awesome. Uh, Long-time yeah. listener, Thank first-time you, caller. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my brother uh, my brother buys cars from you. He's out in Oakville. What I wanted to tell you was I, I uh, my first car was a 64, 65 Mustang ragtop. Oh wow! My mother, my mother bought it for me. Uh, I was 16. Uh, it was probably close to 10 years old, and I drove that car through high school. <laughs> and uh, did you I put diesel in the gas tank? Think, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a rust bucket too. You know, but think about it. I mean, having a Mustang ragtop in the 60s as your first car, you know, unreal. <laughs> the, uh, that's that's unreal. That car right now is priceless. That's right. Um, 
the only reason I ended up getting rid of it is I got pulled over by the by the police one day, and uh, I mean my door was uh, hanging off, uh, the floorboards were rotten, and he just oh, took the plates no. off and said, "Sorry, son." <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time. <laughs> it, it is time. Dean, thank you so much for listening to the show, man. I really appreciate your loyalty. Stay tuned and don't go anywhere. Let's, we have to move on to Sanjay and Markham. Sanjay, make it quick. Tell, tell me what happened. Oh, so, yeah. I love this topic. Oh, thanks, My man. first car, I, I'll, I, I'll never forget. It, it was a fourth, third year university. My dad paid for half of it. I paid for half of it. And it was a 1989 baby blue Toyota Tercel. There wasn't even a cassette there. No AC. But I loved it, man. It was great. It it, it was my first vehicle. Got me point A to point B. It was opposite of masculinity, but I loved it, man. It was great. The character you do, that you build with those ugly cars, man. I, I knew somebody that worked for me once. Uh, she was going through university, and she was driving a 1983 or 84 Ford Taurus, baby blue. You could see the floor. The actual floorboards were so rusted out that you can actually literally see the road. But I can tell you, the character building of those vehicles is amazing. Sanjay, thank you so much for the phone call, man. I got to move on. Matt in Scarborough, tell me quickly, what's your experience? Hey, guys, I had to call in. You, you brought up that red velvet interior. I had a Chrysler <laughs> LeBaron, and let me Whoa. tell you, it was terrible. <laughs> that interior was gross. I had to call in and tell you about the interior, man. The, you know, uh, Chrysler LeBaron, uh, it seems like you came standard with that red velour interior, and everything that you touch is stuck with it. So it, at some point, it would absorb all the grease from your hand, from your the, arms, uh, the, and it would turn black. Color, yeah, it was uh, maroon. So how about that for a match on match? That's a lot of variety. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, brutal, brutal. So but you know, I'm sure car. that you you stayed single all throughout the ownership years of that vehicle, didn't you? You got that right. Thank you so much for listening, Matt. I I really appreciate it. You know, Ken, it's it's amazing how many people have developed this interesting relationship with that first car. That first car changes everything man that's the first time that you that you don't have to ask for the keys you don't have to really beg for <laughs> for somebody's consideration to say ah you know yeah here drive the car you don't have to ask for anyone's favors you can just literally grab your keys and go and there is so much power in that sort of independence. Did you did you feel that way when you got your first car, Ken? Of course, of course. I mean, it's just a sense of independence that you wouldn't normally have before then. You can go wherever you want. You don't have to explain where you're going. You can come home whenever you want. You don't need to wait for a ride. And like I said, it was a huge part of my formative years in particular because it was the only way that I could get around. I wasn't walking to my friend's house who lives 15 miles away. You know, it's like on the side of a mountain. It's like I needed that car to get from point A to point B. And as ugly as that car was and as unattractive and they had the dents and the scratches and it just had, it wasn't the most attractive thing, but man, did I have a connection to it. And I was sad <laughs> to see it go against like when I first saw it, I was like, I, man, this thing is awful. But then when it was time to part ways, I was emotional. That's uh, that's the way it works, and you know it's the, it's that time of the day we need to pick the winner of the two years worth of oil changes because of it was the best call of the day, and I have a nominee, uh, and I want uh, I want to see if you agree or disagree with me. 
I want to give this two years worth of oil changes for the best phone call of the day to Matthew in Etobicoke. And the reason why I say this is because he got me riled up and he was not afraid <laughs> to, to talk about something that is a sensitive thing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, uh, I agree with you. I think that bringing up this conversation about wealth, I mean, we talked about it in hour two, and you can catch that if you missed that on the podcast. You can get that through either gregcarrasco.com or you can head over to tsn1050.ca. We'll have the podcast posted there as well at the conclusion of the show. He brought up a lot of valid points that I think a lot of people feel about the accumulation of wealth and what the end goal should be and whether or not you should be trying to get into that upper echelon where you're comfortable living and in particular striving to become a part of the 1%. I thought it really was a good it was spring a good forward point yeah, to where we can a... get to the point where we understand that we're trying to be financially sound sound, and understand yes. that we can live within a, a comfortably within our means rather than striving for that you know, upper, upper echelon. So it was a great call so, for Matt that really helped us drive the conversation. C- congratulations on the two years of free oil changes. Matthew from Etobicoke, I'm going to call you after the show to let you know where you can come and cash in uh, on your two years worth of oil changes, courtesy of Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And folks, I got to tell you this because we got to jump off. Um, if you are looking for the most honest, no-nonsense, transparent, aggressive, you know, dramatic transparency, you need to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity because... There's something happening there at oakvillenissan.com.